Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Friday night. It's 11 Eastern time. Backstage, I was just talking about how this is a rudderless ship and our, our guests need to be very careful. And I started the video without even starting the broadcast. So I don't know how much of the <laughs> Nice. Uh, honest and truthful and sincere to our guests. Uh, good luck tonight because that's how we're going. I'm Kevin. This is Will. Will, how are you, buddy? Doing all right, man. How are you doing? And tonight we have Ashley and Dora. Uh, let's start on the left of my screen, Dora. If you were at a comic convention and somebody walked past your table, how would you get them excited about Nine Crows in, in, in 15 steps or less? <laughs> I wouldn't. I tank this. Oh. <laughs> I'm terrible at this. I, I just tried to do this uh, something a couple days ago. It's just, it's bad. But um, <laughs> It's so we, okay. This isn't this isn't live. Don't worry about it. Uh, okay, we, good, we edit good. this together. You can just do this like 19 times. No. Oh, perfect. <laughs> All right. Great. Um, so it's like a it's a psychological horror kind of thing. That's how I like to describe it. Um, it's about a teenage girl who moves to a small town in the middle of nowhere um, with her single mom, and there doesn't seem to be any particular reason they've moved there. They don't know anyone. She doesn't know why they're there. And she starts sort of slowly unraveling the mysteries of, you know, why um, girls have gone missing in this town and why she doesn't see any young people around. And so, yeah, so she starts unraveling the mystery of this place. Psycholo psychological horror with a mystery event. All right. I'm in. I'm yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I noticed a reviewer the other day wrote that it was like a quality made for TV psychological thriller. I'm like, I'll take it. Quality made okay. for TV movies. I love those. That's perfect. <laughs> I'll take it. We've been watching some Paramount TV uh, made for TV movies from the 80s, like uh, those Call, Call Girls. They're awesome. They're, they're really awesome. MTV's classic Two of Us starring Jared Harris as John Lennon. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Oh, that, available in 36 parts on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> that no. That is a new one. I'm going to rewatch this. I'm gonna write that one down. It's high key. Like if you're a Beatles person, it's very good. Okay. It, right. it really is. So Ashley, the same question: How would you get somebody in, interested in Aurora and the Eagle if all you had was nine steps to do it? 
Well, if you were at a convention, I'd probably start with, hey, and I went to theater school. So like, I'm very loud uh, and I'm a triple Aries. So you're going to notice me. But <laughs> after that, and after I physically stopped you on the floor, because we're post COVID now, apparently, and I can touch everybody, uh, I would say that Aurora and the Eagle is a superhero retelling of my immigration journey coming from Canada to the United States. And it examines the intersection of identity and superheroes. It stars Aurora Borealis, who it might shock you, has the power of the Northern Lights, coming to the States to train with the Eagle, the toughest American superhero with no superpowers, because I love Robin more than any other superhero in the world, and that's a big influence on my book. All right, that is awesome. Now, we are going to be joined by Danny from The Collective in Altamont Springs, just outside of Orlando. So before he gets here, I'm going to tell everybody, the next time you go visit Mickey, make time to visit the collective because it is an amazing comic shop on its own. Super cool with indies and indie creators. Uh, Danny had a little bit of a camera problem. I'm just now being told that the um, date is wrong on this show. So that sounds about right for us. I'm seeing March 15th. So um, we have 10 days to get this right. As we said, it's not live. We're editing all this just because uh, Jolly... Perubate says wrong date too. Uh, <laughs> you, you sir get a uh, Stan Lee uh, no prize uh, for calling that out. I don't even know how gold that's star. up there. <laughs> well, while we we're gonna look in Will, if you could keep looking for Danny and get him in when he yep. can pop back in. Mm -hmm. um, let's let's go into psychological horror this Danny, evening. Danny's and I will, here. I will pick up nine crow and we're going to go through the page. Hey. Oh, great. Danny is in. So oh, Danny, we're really throwing you in, into the fire. 30 seconds are left. Tales of the Directive. Drink and go. Go. All right. So Tales of the Collective is a uh, anthology, second uh, anthology we've done. But what it does special is it brings five independent creative teams that we have on our shelf on the store in what we've called the collective initiative section, um, which are all Kickstarters. And these guys are all bringing either first-time stories that they haven't put on our shelves before or untold stories like ash cans or zero issues of books they already have on our shelves. So it's either an introduction or a reintroduction or more content for our customers that have loved our Kickstarter uh, creators. So it's a really unique opportunity for us. That is that is awesome. I already gave a little bit of a shout out to the store. So uh, definitely before we get out, we need addresses and uh, <laughs> home phone numbers. I mean, when I said addresses, I mean we your We recently home. got our web store like bumping. So all of our oh. scout uh, exclusive covers are on there now. Like we're working on David Burns canceled uh, moving forward and Jonathan Hedrick's recount preamble. But we have uh, Steak and Chit Show and a few others on there as well because, you know, we love Scout Comics. I, I, we, and we, we just because I have a toe into Scout <laughs> doesn't mean I don't appreciate it just as a regular indie creator. But thank, thank you for backing any indie creator because we need more uh, local comic shops to give us a shot. And usually when the shops give us a shot, they can, you know, sell a couple books from us but you know that's that's a very selfish uh advertisement for Pretty me to put out always. there i mean it works man it works we actually have gerald i just saw gerald in the comments we backed his kickstarter that's coming on the shelf soon so like we are excited man it's really cool to work with so many people i know we've had you in the store signing and yeah. it's kind of cool to collaborate this way no it, it's absolutely cool all right so i'm gonna pull up nine crow All and right. we are gonna check this baby out 
psychological horror <laughs> and mystery, a hundred and sixty page tome. It uh, is. It's gonna be a tome. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you? What? Where was the first idea for this story? What inspired the story to you? Um. Well, I grew up in. Uh, in and around creepy little towns in the woods and um yeah so that's just kind of in the background of a lot of my stories is just like mountain towns in the middle of nowhere um and you know love my hometown but you know there's weird characters around here kicking around so i just always have that in the back of my mind it just it, where i grew up feels like a place where there's probably secret stuff going on in the woods mm -hmm. um so that's kind of always percolating in the back of my mind and um then I on a drive one time happened to see this weird like uh, rows and rows of lights through the trees driving through the woods in the dark and it was just the weirdest image and it stuck with me um, and so that plays a part in here too where she starts seeing these lights up on the hills in the woods and and you know starts trying to figure out what's going on with that so and I just love black and white artwork I'm really inspired mm -hmm. by like Edward Gorey and um, uh, Richard Sala is another favorite of mine so yeah so i'm feeling like a little at adam's adam's family vibe to the charles drawings adams, oh my god yeah my my dad gave me charles adams books when i was just a little bitty and just totally warped my brain <laughs> oh in the best way that's awesome so uh yeah so you're you're the writer and illustrator do you also do the lettering and are do you just do everything I wow I do. I do everything. It's all <laughs> it's a one woman show. <laughs> so when you're at the show, I'm going to help you out because I don't think you did the theater thing. You just <laughs> when someone walks by, you just go, hey, which was really good. Ashley has a right. You start with a <laughs> point down. You go, I did all this shit. Exactly. <laughs> just see what it's happens. <laughs> I have to go. I wrote it, and it's pretty because other people made it pretty. But but you, oh, yeah, yeah. Doing the whole thing, uh, doing the package deal is kind of I don't know. It's taken me a while to realize. Okay, you know what? I'm a writer and an artist. Like I I've spent my whole like career kind of seesawing back and forth, going. No, I'm good at writing, and I trash at art. Now I'm trash at writing. I'm good at art, and just kind of not making up my mind. And then finally went. I'm mediocre at both, so I'll just do them both. <laughs> <laughs> but you're equally mediocre. Then, then, then you can. You... The perfect match. <laughs> well, I I have not read the story. I have looked at your art. I can guarantee you're not mediocre at one of those two. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> so. When you started on this, did you always expect to turn it out to the world as one graphic novel? Was there ever a thought of breaking it into chapters or reduce like uh, whole hog? Yeah, I just always pictured it as a graphic novel. I was super inspired by um, Delphine by Richard Sala, which is just this awesome graphic novel. And I just read that and was like, I just have to do something like Delphine. I just have to. It's just so cool. Um, so yeah, I just always pictured it as a graphic novel, um, and imagined it as a one-off. And then now as I, I'm coming up on the end now, it's going to be ending in May. I've been doing it for about two years wow. and, um, and book two has sort of started forming in my head, which I did not think there was going to be a book two, but it seems like there is. So, <laughs> Well, you've got over $5,000 in two days. 
Yeah, it really like I went for a walk and came back and we'd passed 75 percent. Yeah, you're at 85 backers over 5000. I mean, I I'm glad that there's a book two in your head because it certainly looks like there is an audience for book one. And that is. Yeah, Yeah, people have liked it. It's like it's it's a kind of weird little thing, but people do seem to really enjoy it. And that makes me feel great. And I feel like people would like the story to keep going and. So why not? Absolutely. I just looked through the campaign. You know, wearing up my wrist drawing it, but. (laughs) (laughs) I just looked through Ashley's campaign. I have to say one of the cool things too, or one of the things that I think is is helping you out is uh, for the amount of content you're giving them, the $30 soft cover is like an amazing deal in Kickstarter world. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Like so many people. I think so. I I mean, it's competitive with what comic book stores. No, it's competitive. I mean, if I'm getting close to 200 pages in the store, they're putting $29.99 on it. So like oh, cool. I think $30 okay. is a solid price point for that. And I think that's going to help you in the long run too. Oh, that's really good to hear because I agonized over that. I'm like, that, I can't get any lower than that. And it feels like I'm seeing everybody else's campaigns where they're like priced way lower. But maybe I wasn't taking page length into account because that probably is part of why it's like. I, I can tell you my anymore. exact my exact thing going to the page was okay this looks cool Ooh, 29 Ooh, let's see and i i was going should i go pdf should i go you know trying to figure out the, the right thing will and i we don't invite people on if we don't think the book is worth backing oh, uh, nice. because there's too many people crowdfunding uh out there for us to not be like all right so our money our mouth our money it's all out here but sometimes I'll do a PDF if I really just, you know, like because three people on here every week, it adds up to <laughs> But I want 160 pages with that artwork. Yeah, $29 is perfectly comfortable. That is a oh, nice. That that there's value, there's value in them there, uh tears. So them are you that out it's like oh yeah that's why i couldn't get my price per unit any lower because it's gonna be fat <laughs> yeah pretty big book well and you know a lot of single issues um they'll kickstart for i know when when i list you know 15 is about as low as you can go for a low print run mm-hmm. you know standard you know 32 40 page issue and that's 200 so yeah you're, you're actually calls- not only are you making us look bad because you can write it and do everything, you're also making us look bad because you're making our prices look terrible. So that's- <laughs> cool. So I'm, you know, mission accomplished. Making people look bad. Ed, Ed says that he's been, uh, Ed called, I believe, Kelp? Uh, Keith? Yeah. Kelp? Yeah. I, I don't have my glasses on. Um, he's been following Nine Crow for about a year now, really curious about his conclusion. Now, you're going to tell us oh. how it ends tonight, right? Oh, totally. So this is- <laughs> Spoil it all, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're coming so close to the end. Every People in the comments are like guessing the ending. I'm like, oh, I can't say anything. Oh, I'm really true. glad I got it scripted out and done ever since it started because otherwise I'd be in that thing where it's like, oh, people are guessing. I want to change stuff. Or I want to take mm-hmm. people by surprise. I do the, you know, the Game of Thrones twist thing, like where you throw everything out the window because you've got to surprise people. <laughs> so luckily it's all written. It's There's no changing it. So uh, no comment on. <laughs> so does it make you happy when someone guess if if someone has and we're not going to guarantee that they have but if hypothetically someone had guessed the ending would that make you happy or sad no i think you know you gotta if you're laying the groundwork 
right, people have to be able to see somewhat of where it's going or you're just not really setting any anything up. So, you know, people are bound to guess. So and and it's mostly it's more like sort of vague, like, is it going to be a happy ending? Somebody mm -hmm. on my last page was like, oh, no, I hope we're not headed for some mushy Hollywood ending. <laughs> <laughs> Shawnee Meyer says that she came across Nine Crow a while ago and happy to see the campaign put in her pledge and can't wait to see how it ends. Yeah. So, Hi, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Shawnee is one of our favorites. So if you've got the Shawnee. Yeah. I, I, with her on board, I would have moved from PDF to book. So uh, you, when you've got the Shawnee uh, thumbs up, we're good nice. to go. Thank yeah. you, Shawnee. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, just scary to be coming up on the end because it's like, oh, now there's all this pressure. As <laughs> somebody... <laughs> Yeah, as somebody who had so much faith in Game of Thrones before the last season, <laughs> that I created a podcast where my wife and I rewatched oh, everything, God. every episode, Ouch. and we brought in my friend Chris, who'd never watched it. And so we did an entire podcast of every season in that last year. Um, yeah, lay the track, <laughs> and if they guess it, let them guess it, please. God, please. <laughs> Not to dive into the Game of Thrones of it all, though, but the first POV chapter that's not an intro chapter is Bran's chapter, so it was always gonna be Bran. <laughs> so I let's 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 dive in. Okay, so here's my idea. The, the ending of that is very true. You, you're right, and yet it makes Bran the villain of the piece. You sure Danny's not the villain of the piece? <laughs> who, who whispered into Danny's ear, Danny's father's ear to drive him crazy and turn him into the mad king that started everything that started the the thing? There were just these voices in the mad mm -hmm. king's ear that drove him crazy that started all of the issues that led to Robert's rebellion. Now, are we sure that there wasn't someone whispering in Danny's ear when she went from a character that we could trust for six and a half seasons into a mad tyrant in 32 seconds? Y'all are, are, are out there. I never trusted that gal. I was like, she's the villain. She's going to do it. Hey, you know what? You're the second person this week to say that. And all I can say is you read this text better than I did because you're right and I was wrong. Um, so I'm really excited to read uh, Nine Crow, but we have some other amazing books. So let's pull up. Well, you know what, Danny, you had to fix your camera. So I say we go to Aurora and the Eagle first to punish you for your. Uh, <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm okay with this. I like checking out the other people's campaigns. There's, there's no twist ending in mind. So there's nothing to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I like oh. I said, it's, uh, it's semi-autobiographical, and I am now an American citizen, so it's going to end well. <laughs> <laughs> um, if folks can't copy the link, you can also go to auroraandtheeagle.com. It hyperlinks right to the uh, campaign page, which is my best trick and my best advice about Kickstarter is pay GoDaddy $6.99 for whatever your account is going to be worth. But yeah, this is yeah. my campaign. Look at how pretty the art is. You I didn't do the art. <laughs> You have seen this one and just been blown away by it. Wow. 89.29. This is gorgeous. I, 246 yeah. backers. Oh, my gosh. You're doing great. Yeah, we're doing oh. okay. Um, it does say two created, but this is technically my sixth crowdfunding campaign. Oh. Um, 
the like I'm really bad at space relations. This book, Jupiter Jet, um, I'm a award losing co-creator of uh, alongside Jason Inman. Um, and then our second book was called Science, the Element of Dark Energy, also award losing, uh, which were Kickstarter books. But uh, this is my uh, second Kickstarter comic all in my lonesome. So big, scary territory for me. No, I with art like this and, and you know, like when, when you go into a thing, you, you can say this this like jumps out at me, but with art like this, I think you might be um, up to lose more awards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I started this, I've had this idea since I first immigrated to the States. Um, that's the original grayscale art, but it is colored now. Um, I really wanted to have a another Canadian artist and I really wanted it to be uh, a female or a female identifying person. And so the CBC, which is our beloved Canadian broadcast company, uh, had a list of like 10 Canadian comic book artists that you should watch out for. And the artist I wound up hiring from that list, her name is Emmanuelle Chateauneuf. And she really like takes my story and elevates it in such an interesting and fantastical um, and sort of dreamlike way that I didn't necessarily mm -hmm. imagine. But if you can't glean from the Game of Thrones conversation and before the show started, um, I had to I had to talk about Tolkien reading day. I'm like a huge fantasy nerd. So even though this is like superhero sci-fi, she kind of accidentally brought all of that out as we go on Aurora's journey to the United States. Oh, this is I, I, uh, now she does the art or does she also do the coloring as well? Or Our, right there, actually, there, there you, there's the creative team right there on the screen, Kevin. There you go. Our colorist, um, who is not credited on this page, but is um, Ali Von Ortiz, and she is a Mexican-based artist, and she's an artist in her own right, but she came and did the colors for this, and I was truly so blown away because obviously the inspiration of the Northern Lights, hence my color palette here today, mm -hmm. is pretty important. <laughs> And I didn't think it could get more beautiful. Also, it is unfair how hot Emmanuel draws the eagle. I was like, he's the dad figure. And she took the note of like, he is the daddy figure. Like, he was so smoking hot. I was not prepared for it when I first got these pages. Um, but with uh, Ali Von's colors over it, it really becomes this story on a different scale than it was in my head. In my head, it was a fantastical extrapolation of when I came here, there was no murder when I came here. I came here to go to theater school, but Aurora is drawn here to train to join the Unity League, which is like a global justice league, kind of JLI vibe, um, and figure out why her predecessor died. And in these new pages, which we're looking at on screen right now, that's kind of her opening up the world. We're seeing representatives from different countries, and we're putting together uh, some, some of some of the mystery and this this colored page that you're seeing right here which is also my header image is toward the end of the 48 pages that this book is going to be and i always knew that there was going to be a twist with the eagle that was going to force aurora kind of in a dick grace and nightwing arc to leave being a sidekick and become a superhero in her own right and it was going to happen around page 50 and page 48 is very close to page 50 mm -hmm. and i'm super super excited for people to see it and see how it kind of changes the world of this book because i did a campaign for this in 2019 for the first 20 pages to pay my immigration bills because it's very oh. expensive to become a citizen <laughs> uh, and now i'm psyched <laughs> to be able to just bring this back for people like in a proper printed form also, right. the guy who's holding up the card who's on screen right now, that was a cameo from the last campaign. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Very so there's cool. a lot of like 
fun faces. Um, and I think there's still a couple cameos open if people want to snap those up uh, before the end of the month. But I've been well, you could look this cool. Yeah, yes. you could look again. Emmanuel makes everybody look really hot. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the end of number one, and uh, mm -hmm. if if we're leaving on a cliffhanger, that tells me there's going to be a number two. But how how long do you consider this series is likely to go? So if the um, publisher that this will go to, who hasn't been announced yet, gets their way, this is going to be the equivalent of six standard-sized issues. I think for Kickstarter, I really like the prestige format of like mm. a 48, 52 kind of page collection. So that's mm. what I'm going to be aiming for. So it'll probably be three Kickstarter installations. And then if, uh, I don't know, two or five or however many years down the line, it goes onto shelves. Um, I'll be coming to Florida to sign it. I'm speaking that into the universe right now. And it's, it, it will probably be about the equivalent of, of six issues long. So. Okay. Well, that is something that I have actually already seen happen. A friend of the show and a friend of ours, Charlie Stickney, did White Ash. His books are usually 48 to 60 pages mm -hmm. for an issue. And when they came out in shops, he kind of re reconfigured a couple pages and issue, you know, one became issues one and two so it's yeah. certainly perfectly doable so i'm glad i'm not going to ask you to tell who what when or why but it it sounds like a plan that i've already seen work so that's it's so exciting. funny that, that you bring up charlie because charlie's been a, a friend of ours for a long time and uh when we were doing jupiter jet and we signed it at comic-con he came to our table and was like, I'm thinking about doing a Kickstarter for White Ash. And so we helped him start White Ash. And then uh, when I made this transition to single issues, I got a lot of advice for him on how to do it for like a much more compact because everything I'd Kickstarted in the past was graphic novels. And okay. that's like the other best thing about Kickstarter is everybody wants to help everybody. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. everyone in the stream, everyone who's watching, like we're all on the same team. And that makes me so excited. And also because I'm going to get at least two new things to back tonight. That's yes. exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Will and I joke about the explain yourself bump. It's it's almost a guarantee because we, we usually bring at least one person who hasn't met everybody else. So totally. we can usually guarantee at least one or two backings. And then we do take credit for everything that happens for the rest of your campaign. So exactly. Ashley and Danny, the next five to seven days, it's us. Yeah. But we yeah. got we got Dora for a month. The last twenty five percent of my campaign. All <laughs> Super excited. <laughs> no, that's that's really exciting. If you do get the three maxi Kickstarter issues done and the six issues that go out, um, any possibility that this world could have other stories in it, or is this a one story and done? What I would really like to do is because it is based on the idea of like an international community and an international superhero force, I would love to bring in creators of different nationalities to tell stories of different characters. Um, mm. When I did the first campaign, Kevin Scott, who's now like the king of Star Wars, <laughs> asked me if he could do the English one. So I'm going to hold him to that. <laughs> um, but that's what I would really like to see happen. And I'm not against that maybe being prose. That might be the best way to do it. So we have mm. kind of a a multidisciplinary universe. So Netflix, if you want to get in on like the animated series, I'm very open and I would sell it for very cheap. <laughs> what, what Will and I really like is that you use the secret to get Netflix to watch the show. Like, yeah, it's like, better for everyone if they do. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm in LA, I'll just yell at the window, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs>
That's great. All right, we we got to get to Danny because Danny is just like a rock star in the community. You talk about the Kickstarter people kind of being on one team. There are a handful of stores out there, you know, Space Cadets in Houston and the Collective and Altamont Springs that are super open-minded about giving indie books a chance. And uh, I, again, I, I can't say this enough to you, Danny. We appreciate it so much yep. for you to give us a place where people can come in and without us being behind a booth with the pressure of that, look at our books and give us a chance. So thank you for that. But let's talk about the uh, five teams you have in Tales of Collective uh, Volume 2. Who's who did you uh, corral this time to make this book with you? So I'm going to start with CJ Lab for two reasons. First of all, Baron is, uh, I want to say, the first story. Uh, if I go through the pages of the book in my head, I'm pretty sure it's the first story. The book is actually already printed. I made the mistake of not bringing a copy home. They're at the store. Um, <laughs> we have them already printed from Comic Impressions. So like that's super cool. Um, hopefully not that many pledges fail and we can keep some money here. But it's uh, <laughs> already printed. But Baron uh, is CJ Lab's book. He's literally from Orlando, and we met him by absolute happenstance. Um, he walked into the store. He's one of the few, you know, that like walks into the store, has the books already printed, has them in hand. You know, his Kickstarter failed, so he decided to print them himself. Um, and he's like, hey, man, uh, I have these books. I'm a local creator. I heard you guys kind of do. And he heard from another shop that I, I think denied him, but said, hey, check mm -hmm. them out. And he came over and we carried his book on the shelf. And, I, you know, I usually if it's something like that, that I'm not sure of. I start with five. Mm -hmm. I sold out of his five by the week. And, you know, mm -hmm. I was calling him up and saying I need more. He eventually did issue two on Kickstarter that funded a couple months back. And so Great. this is his issue zero. It's the origin of the character Baron, because what I loved about his storytelling is issue one. Uh, isn't just like, hey, here's this guy, and this is how he grew up to be the guy that you're about to read for the next whatever issues. He jumped straight into the superhero kind of, and then decided to tell the origin later. And mm -hmm. we're getting the never uh, published zero issue origin of Baron. So, if, you know, that is a quote unquote key. And then uh, we have uh, Heather Gibb. In her writing debut, that's Travis Gibbs' wife. She's edited tons of stuff for Travis and Chuck mm -hmm. and everybody like that. But she's writing Pup Van Winkle with another Central Florida artist, Martha Schwartz. And it's their writing, or her writing debut. Martha has a couple of books from Kickstarter. But we're super happy to have two creative teams from Florida as we try to do so that they can come to the store, sign, mm -hmm. be involved with the community. You know, people meet them. It's almost like a little convention when we do this. That's and then awesome. our two out-of-state teams, or actually, we also have Joel Quinn in state, which is the black and white that you're looking at right now. Uh, he's got a sci-fi book that is Men in Black, equal parts Men in Black meet X-Files. So okay. It's the fun and cr uh, craziness of Men in Black without all the drama of X-Files, but all that sci-fi alien stuff. Okay. Um, and then our out-of-state teams are C.R. Florence and Nathan Chow, who did Black Sam, which is a pirate book, which is kind of a theme to a lot of our covers because we have the Hook homage cover right there by Jamie Jones out of Georgia. And uh, we're su Black Sam, uh, there's always one story in here in one of our books that I'm excited about. And I kind of say to myself, how is this not with Top Cow? Or how is this not with Boom or Aftershock? And Black Sam, as great as every story is in here, 
Black Sam had my, my had me floored, and I said to Travis, I said, "This is going to be in diamond in a year." You know, like I'm we're sitting on something cool here. And then um, William Sim Quentin and Alexia Bauhausen, who Alexia is a, a recent Cubert School grad, uh, they have Forty Seven Furious Tales, which they gave us kind of like an Ashcan preview. They're already on issue three of their book, and it's been our best selling collective initiative book. So we wanted to find a way to squeeze them in here without having them, you know, they already have so much of their story scripted and told. They didn't really have too much to give us. So what they did was put together like a little Ashcan preview, five pages from both of the issues that put together a story and get you caught up to be able to go right to issue three. And that is Tales from the Collective Initiative 2022, where we have the five creative teams. We went a little crazy. We're like at 36 pages, I think. Okay. Nice. No, I um, I think it's really great. And you try to do one of these every year now. This is the second one. And, and is that the goal, an annual? So we're going to do two this year. <laughs> oh um, because of the nature of antho- the anthology and the, the history of anthologies, we figured it'd be really cool to do a horror anthology for October. Okay. So yeah. we probably want to try to launch something in early September, maybe, as long as all the everything works out with the creative teams so that we could fulfill before Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd probably do like Halloween Comic Fest at the store with the book and everything. We already have this awesome idea for a black. We did a yellow sketch cover on our first one, which obviously goes with our colors and everything. But we want to do a black sketch cover on yellow, you know, and we think that will look awesome for the Halloween anthology. And we already have a fellow scout creator. I, I believe I can announce this. Austin uh, Jankowski, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, creator of Stanley the Snowman and Zombies Were Human too, Um, And he, I believe, is going to be working on a zombie story for us because you can't do a horror anthology and not have one zombie story. (laughs) You can try. You can try to kill it, but it'll come right back. (laughs) (laughs) The very nature of the beast. That's right. (laughs) Shit, I think I just gave away my zombie story. And there you are, people. That is the sum total of how much thought I put into a story. (laughs) Wait, I'm taking notes, Kevin. Hang on. (laughs) So the guy who who did Baron just brought it into you. Um, I, you know, I've met Heather with Travis, a fabulous person. Great, great couple. I'm not going to even going to insult either one of them because they're both great. So I'm happy. I'm happy that they found each other because they're both awesome. Um, I would more likely uh, mess with Travis than Heather, but uh, yes, that's just right. the nature of his his beast. But um, <laughs> do you seek people out? Do you wait until they pitched you to get into this? How do you how do you find the teams that are actually in your anthologies? So it's a, it's a mix of both, to be fair. Um, we're really lucky to have Travis as our project manager, you know? I mean, he loves us, and I wouldn't be able to do this without him. I mean, first of all, he provides our great letterist, Jerome uh, Gag, Gag, Gagnon, uh, out of Canada, actually, as well. And um, nice. he, he <laughs> is... He is like the rock, like letters. I never realized how important letters were until like, you know, he does our A cover. We isn't necessarily done by an artist. It's kind of an homage to, to Dark Horse Presents with like the mm-hmm. using interior panels to fill the slots. So that's done entirely by him. He designs that. He designs our trade dress. He designs our blank covers. So uh, Travis ends up uh, reaching out to a few people and then I'll make suggestions like I did with 47 Furious Tales where I was like, this is our best-selling collective initiative book. 
it's on issue three. Can we try to find a way to get something in here? You know, and he, mm-hmm. he does all, Travis knows the Kickstarter lingo. He mm-hmm. does all the, the talking to people negotiating, figuring out, you know, what we'll do with comps and everything like that. But like, I'll kind of suggest be like, dude, I'd love to work with this person. Like I, I already, one of the people that I've been telling him since the end of issue one, and, and it was just, we needed kind of complete, almost completed stuff for this one. Mm-hmm. But uh, Adam Barnhart, who's the creator of Shit Show, and, and he's yeah. got a couple Kickstarters. I think we're going to have him working on 2023 with us. So like, there's always people that we love at the store that if we can get an opportunity to work with them again, like we right. are going to take that opportunity. It's just a lot of times the stars do have to align, you know, because right. everybody's got their own Kickstarter going. We're not trying to take away anything from them. Like uh, Wendy Gale, Chuck's wife, she had her uh, Viserian Tales that premiered in Tales from the Collective Initiative Volume 1. And she's finally going to Kickstarter with that uh, this year, this summer. And she's like, oh, can I add uh, our, your book as add-ons? I'm like, absolutely. Like, that's your guys, you know, that is your guys' thing. Like, I'm not right. going to lose. We have a storefront, you know. We're not going to lose sales by anybody taking something from us back to Kickstarter or back to their web stores. So, like, mm-hmm. a lot of it, the stars do have to align. But, like, I'm, I, we, the, our one thing is we try to do two Florida creators at least. So that we can do a signing because the whole idea is our customer base doesn't entirely know about Kickstarter, which was why mm-hmm. we started the whole section as a whole. Mm-hmm. I was there, there's amazing stories being told on Kickstarter, but whether it be the hesitation of paying in advance for something, right. you know, I mean, Kickstarter is really adamant about telling you it's all or nothing. If it, So, like, I think yeah. people read into that a little too much and they say, Oh, if it doesn't, I'm going to lose my money. And, and obviously Kickstarter is not even going to take it. Like people don't realize <laughs> Kickstarter is going to take it out till the end and everything. Yeah. Like that. Right. So I, I just think there's a lot of a regular comic consumer, like whoever goes into a comic shop every day, isn't super familiar with Kickstarter just yet. But like we have guys, I actually tell this, I, I've told this to Kevin uh, because Tart has a little bit different uh, publishing schedule than some of the other books. Um, but I think one of the coolest compliments and I, I take it one way, I can only imagine how the creators take it, but when I'm sitting at the register and somebody goes, Oh, can I add this to my sub? And I look at the book and it's a Kickstarter book. Cause like, that means you made it. Cause they can totally add Batman to their sub. They can add mm-hmm. Iron Man to their sub. They can add something as killing children to sub. They're choosing to add, you know, voodoo nations from Travis Gibb or 47 furious tales. And that speaks volumes to me, especially when it's one of my customers that I know is reading the book. But that guy would have never found that book ever (laughs) in his life, his or her life, if they did not come to our store because they weren't going to check Kickstarter. They were never. So that's kind of what we're trying to do. It's not perfect yet, um, you know, and and there's so much to back that like. We, we can't do it all, you know, and, and that's why occasionally I'll grab a digital just so I know that we're, we're reading it and I'll pass it to like my coworker, Brenna, who's kind of like my protege because she's she's loving. Um, we recently backed Fangs and Foul by um, Lee. Oh, yeah. That's so fun. Um, and that came into the store and she was so excited. So it's, it's awesome to interject. Not many people know about Kickstarter. And now my whole staff loves the Kickstarters. We have whole reader bases that love Kickstarters. I have a whole Monday show around kickstarters so i just i'm really happy to be able to contribute what we can to the community i i really love hearing that especially because it's hard sometimes on kickstarter to if you don't have a publisher lined up to feel like you can integrate with shops in that way and like 
I've gotten this request too from people who own shops where they'll email me and just ask me for a PDF and like, please do, I will send it to you. It is more important to me that people read it. Mm -hmm. But every campaign I run, I always try to add like um, a retailer bundle. So it's like you get these, this many books, they can be signed or unsigned um, at like what would be lower than the regular yeah. rate because if you're going to help me, then I want to help you too. And I just, I really appreciated hearing your perspective on like the Kickstarter sort of economy and how you can use it in like a traditional brick and mortar sense. Oh yeah. And, and I know like, cause uh, we, we work with Trey Walker as well. Who's another one that like, whenever I can get him in the anthology, like he's literally lives in Altamont. He's been published by Scout and everything like that. But uh, he's like, yeah, you know, Kickstarter quote unquote, doesn't want you using it like as a storefront. And I was like, yeah, I understand. But I'm like, um, retailers don't have there isn't quite anywhere yet for you all as kickstarter or as creators like that to announce it to, to retailers i know there's a facebook group or two or whatnot but like there really isn't a place and now i'll admit as that retailer side like i'm the consumer in that sense i'm so thankful for kickstarter because it's opened my eyes to books that aren't in diamond and books that have sold really well for us yeah. you know mm -hmm. like we've had a lot of success with uh snow white zombie apocalypse mm -hmm. from from uh brent and like obviously everything travis gibb does and uh 47 furious tales and it's like it, and, and yeah there's books occasionally that like i have to really hand sell but what i love is when there's a book that like um john westoff's depowered recently yeah i, put it, I always put it in new this week right by my register so that way i can hand sell it and i turn around at one point and a guy who i did not put it in his box goes is this in my box? And I said, no, I don't see it. And he goes, yes. this sounds like it's right up my alley. And I realized <laughs> he's grabbing my last copy. And I'm like, hell oh, yeah. Nice. Sell out, you know, like you don't expect to sell out that quickly. And it's really cool to see it happen. And I always, I always reach out to the creator, not just to do a reorder, but to let them know like, hey, your book sold really well. Or, hey, somebody added it to sub. Like, because I feel like you guys will enjoy that. Oh my God. Yes. Tell, tell me that even if it's a lie, I don't yeah, care. Totally. <laughs> well, uh, you mentioned uh, some like Facebook groups, um, you know, Ashley Dora, do you guys know about those groups? Uh, mm -hmm. I, 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 I go on Facebook and I type in under the groups tab Kickstarter and I respond to every possible post that I can. I'm in one. I live in Los Angeles. I'm in one for like SoCal retailers uh -huh. because uh, kind of to like Danny's point, like people love it if you're like, I will show up in your store because that makes selling something super indie like that a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And then I have like a couple shops um, that like different places that I've lived in that are like always in my corner, but I'm in a couple groups, but I assume that it's more, I assume it's more valuable on the retailer side to have it come in as word of mouth from someone else. So like if I can get someone to go to their store and say, I back this on Kickstarter or I love this creator. I love this book. Then you're like, well, okay, well at least search them in uh, I don't know, Moby or whatever, uh, please uh, something better than Moby POS system you're working on at the time. <laughs> I, I think what's great is we're getting to a point where there are more creators that are delivering on time than when Kickstarter started. I think there were a bunch of retailers who were excited about this platform in 2012, 2013. And there were a bunch of people who heard that you could make money on Kickstarter. So they put up an idea, 
and they did make money because there was never a, I'm sure there was a thought to make a book, but that went away when they got the money. And there were a bunch of retailers that got burned by either bad faith or really good faith, but not ready to do this creators. And we who are doing it now are fighting that, that's And All we can do is when a retailer like Danny backs us is get them the books mm-hmm. <laughs> and get it to them on time and in good. So it, let me yeah. say one thing, just because mm-hmm. you, you hit a nail on the head with that. I'm not going to say any specific names. But say there's a, their names. There's, <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a Central Florida creator. And, and I mean, I, maybe maybe Kevin or Will have heard of him. But there's a Central Florida creator who now is in Diamond. He does books uh, very Dynamite-esque in the sense that it's always a, a woman protagonist character drawn very J. Scott Campbell-esque. But uh, this person, I, I, I was doing research because people are always like, oh, why don't you carry his books? Why don't you carry his books? And I was like, well, they never looked super interesting, but I'll look into it. So and I looked into the person and I found out in many articles online that they're actually banned from Kickstarter for n- taking the money and not fulfilling multiple times. Because I guess you can get away with it potentially once before they're really going to hammer. He's completely banned. But those, I, I believe those books that he did not fulfill through Kickstarter uh, are now being published through his company that publishes through Diamond. So, you know, he's the books didn't die like happens to it sometimes. Like if you're fu- you don't fund, your book never gets made. His mm-hmm. books are being made, but those people never got their books. And again, we're fighting against that stigma. And that was part of what we wanted to help because it's not fair to a creator who's doing an awesome book to not be able to get a few backers because somebody's scared that they're going to lose their money. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. No, it's it. it it's not, and it's, it, there's a whole, you know, when I used to work in TV production and you went into somebody's home, the home was supposed to be cleaner when you left than when you went into it. And we as Kickstarter creators and cra- any crowdfunding, Zoop, you know, on the link, you need you need to try your best to make it cleaner and more fertilized than it was when you came in. Because, man, when somebody gets Nine Crow and they love it, they're going to come back to Kickstarter and Will might be running a campaign. Mm-hmm. And somebody, you know, gets Aurora and loves it. I might be running a campaign. Dan, they, they get Tales from the Collective and they love it. Well, guess what, Dana? You're coming back in September for your... So <laughs> we're we're all helping each other. Like, I call this greedy giving. This, this show <laughs> is, you know, we're not talking about Will and I's books right now. But guess what? We're not crowdfunding anything right now when we're running it we're going to be on here talking about our books too uh we're not we're, we're not we're not selfless we're not saying <laughs> no we're not i think people but, undersell transparency though like there are a ton of issues that are going to come up in your i add nine months to when i think i can deliver a kickstarter mm-hmm. book now i have yeah. learned learned that through mistakes in the past but like right now we're in the middle of like a paper shortage and staffing shortages at printing houses and and i know this is an issue because i know none of you read your kickstarter updates everybody watching this <laughs> nobody except the people in this panel and other and other creators read Listen, kickstarter you get updates. Like three <laughs> likes all right like your occasional good kickstarter update will get like those three yes you're just like thank you keywords i'm begging you but i find <laughs> that if you were just like transparent about what is going on, like people would be very very, very forgiving because creators mm-hmm. of all sizes yes. with all like all the power of the world. Like Liam Sharp just delivered a Kickstarter late 
and it was awesome and he was super mm -hmm. transparent about it so nobody cares i i think of the six of the five i've delivered aurora being the sixth uh all but one of them have been late because of like printing issue publisher issues postage whatever um and i think people also undersell that and when you're not getting updates or anything and then you have to go to twitter and be like hey homie it's been two and a half years <laughs> where is this book coming from to go all the way back to the beginning of the conversation it comes back bad on those of us who have managed to fulfill everything <laughs> yeah yeah and and i have never been mad at somebody who was late and kept communicating to me never. uh it's just when all of a sudden you stop getting communication um that that it gets rough um you know but you know you learn from the best if you're that late and somebody asks you just block them that's that's what you do <laughs> I, I, I can't I imagine think, who you're talking about <laughs> I, think, I think you i think you might know shawnee myers says i've been incredibly lucky while i've definitely had some disappointments they've been few and far between mostly the campaigns i backed have been awesome with the transparency communication and ultimately fulfillment and part of that is listening to the recommendation of people I trust. So, you know, it's it's a yeah. You, and I don't think the charlatans that really saw Kickstarter as a cash grab are there anymore. I, I haven't run into that in the last three to four years. Whereas when I started and I was like, you know, like, oh, we're all in this together. Yay. <laughs> and there were like three in a row that it, it felt like a take the money and run type situation. Like I will tell you what's interesting, and granted, speaking of uh, Kickstarters that haven't given updates and things like that, this one I will name because I have no problem. Um, we went ahead and backed SourcePoint doing a hardcover for The Rise of Dracula, which obviously came out as single issues through Diamond, came out as a trade paperback through Diamond. Um, we're a gaming store, so Dracula and stuff. You know, there's things that just hit both sides of the store, Dracula, Cthulhu. So I'm like, all right, cool, a limited edition hardcover. Like, the retailer tier is really good. Interesting that a publisher that is through Diamond is doing a retailer tier, tier through a different thing, but whatever. So we backed it, and I want to say that was, like, in August. And um, it's still not out. And, again, paper shortages and everything. But there mm -hmm. haven't been updates that are like, and again, I'm a retailer, semi-worried about my bottom line. Mm. I can't imagine the guys who like put $30 into it being like, okay, yeah, I want to read this. Or I think it was $40 for a hardcover, which is, again, why I told you that your your price was really good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's, it's sometimes weird when you see like a big public, like I don't mind the big name creators. Like I know somebody gave. I forgot what this creator's name was, but he recently did a Kickstarter and he made like oodles of money and people are really mad about it. I don't mind when it's a creator with a name. I kind of fi find it weird when it's a whole publish, a whole publishing company running a Kickstarter. Like the Keanu Reeves one was always interesting to me back mm -hmm. with Berserker and like, you know, that that is interesting to me because that's kind of not what Kickstarter is supposed to be about in a way. Like, I know we're we're kind of teetering on that gray line as well since we're a retailer. But like, we're really, really just trying like we take no ownership over the properties. Like, we're really just trying to get these things out there in a different way for these people. But, yeah, it's always weird when I see like a big company doing a Kickstarter. <laughs> my, my theory is if they've done their homework and do an actual good campaign, then I think it's great because it brings so many people to the platform yeah. that have never been there. Mm -hmm. uh, when Archie uh, did theirs <laughs> a couple years back, I was really happy Archie was on it, but it was really obvious they 
they hadn't done any of the work to know how Kickstarter was different than everything they've done for what 190 years of, yeah. of making Archie. <laughs> you know, like the, everybody asks, "What's your first comic?" and I and I answer X Men 194, First Adventure, uh, Nimrod, and Rose, you know, like it's the greatest thing in the world. No, it was Archie Double Digest. I don't know which one it was that I begged my mom to buy me when I was five, but damn it, it was Betty, Veronica, Archie, Jughead, and that's what got me in. And then Bazooka Joe helped, and then I was ready for Claremont. Yeah. <laughs> So they're great. I love I love Archie. I love that they exist. I love that they do all these things, but they didn't do the homework. Now, Berserker, I remember coming on and seeing a million dollars in Kianos, and I was like, <laughs> I don't have to myself back them. They're good. Yeah. But more power to them. They brought money to the platform. It brought mm -hmm. eyes. As far as I know, they've delivered. So mm -hmm. God blesses everyone if you deliver your comic. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's really important, too, about the updates. Uh, you know, a lot of creators, you know, you mentioned Liam Sharp. Back, well, I backed all three of those, you know. <laughs> so he, he was late, but, you know, he would, he would come on regularly. And, in fact, you know, sometimes he would post something and go, oh, I forgot to miss. You know, I had like three updates in a day or something. <laughs> you know? He also offered people refunds when they got mad. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, uh, yeah. there there are other creators that, uh, you know, like, hey, once the campaign's done, you know, here's my Wednesday update. It's yeah. every week until you get the books or here's yeah. my monthly update. Here's, you know, mm -hmm. I, I feel like that goes a really long way to kind of, you know, ass assuaging that, you know, oh, my, I'm going to lose my money kind of, you know, effect from, mm -hmm. from people that have backed. So plus, the you know, it, with that and delivering, you know, when you have a track record. Uh, you know, I think it's, you know, you've done everything you can do at that point to, to, to keep those fears, you know, as minimal as possible. And I think that when the first creator uh, sent a thing saying that they were going to be later because there was a paper shortage, Image had just missed weeks of books because of a paper shortage. Oh, I yeah. mean, this <laughs> is real and it's it scary is. as heck. Um, like, Ashley said, I just, we're doing a hardcover for Tart in a couple months. I just went in and changed everything to the end of the year. Because if I can do it in three months, like the printer you says, look I'll like get a it. hero. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It is, it doesn't hurt anybody to get a book three months early. Yeah. And if I deliver on time, I'll be disappointed, but I won't tell anybody <laughs> that I am, you know? So well, I mean, next, next week. Ryan is going to be finishing up colors, so you know we're we're going to be sending Crossover Division three to the to to Comic Impressions mm -hmm. very very soon. And I'm like, please just have the good paper that you've had for the last two issues, please, 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 please. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll tell you guys since we just printed through Impressions, um, we were surprised. First of all, they hooked us up. I think that's Travis having the sweetheart deal that he has with them. But they were able to print our book. I, I think Travis was saying it was the coincidence that they had paper at the day that we like we submitted the thing. But they had our book to us in like 10 days. No. Um, also, they ran out of the type of cardstock they typically use for the cover. So they asked us if we were okay with, I forget, it's something dull, D-U-L-L, like D-U-L-L something cardstock. And I was skeptical. I really was. And then it came. 
and it wasn't like a satin finish, but it was really nice cover. It takes signature cool. well. So mm. like I think that's what we're gonna use moving forward right now because I do not like the glossy covers. Because if any mm. of you guys have done those in the past, when yeah. you do a signing event, you have to like don't put it in your bag and board just yet, you know? And it's like <laughs> these other covers really take the pen a lot better. I know it sounds I never thought I'd be in the world where I'm talking about cover stock and <laughs> and pins, <laughs> your paint pins. Don't forget those. Yeah. <laughs> Shawnee says to make more offerings to the paper gods. Absolutely. <laughs> what do you Is... sacrifice to the paper gods? A tree? Like what do you what, no. like? You know, you, like, like I think no. you plant a paper tree dolls. in honor yeah. of the paper gods. <laughs> you, you burn a paper doll, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. But then a little, little paper effigy of your favorite comic book retailer. Needs to make the book. This is a big sort of job. <laughs> or I don't know, maybe sacrifice like termites. That's a little, what's the yeah, energy? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I like that one. That one's, yeah. that one's good. I'll do that tonight, Shawnee. <laughs> I have really I have really good news. I had to tent my house about six months ago. My neighbor tented their house last weekend. We we have done our termite sacrifices. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Paper shortage over. <laughs> you will have good paper luck, Kevin. <laughs> I did I did miss this one. Ignacio says, Bazooka Joe continuity is a mess. Good training. Did you call it continuity? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like Beetle Bailey continuity. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, really. Hey man, it was five cents. It, it, every joke I ever got was worth five cents and a gun. <laughs> that gun was good for 13 seconds, and that's all that I needed. Oh. Only if you didn't have fillings. <laughs> yeah, I don't have fillings good for any seconds at all. You weren't gonna have fillings after it. <laughs> yeah, for sure though. <laughs> Well, I, I've kind of got a question. I mean, you know, Danny, you're herding a lot of cats with an anthology. Uh, I, I know how challenging that can be at times, but kind of, uh, you know, for everyone here, how long does it take you to put together, you know, kind of your, I guess this project, for instance, you know, and then, you know, going forward, I assume you're going to be doing, you know, potentially more, there's a number two maybe coming for Dora and, you know, Ashley, you've got something more coming and then we've got more, uh, you know, collective tales from the collective coming. How long, what, what goes into that and how long does it take you to get that ready to rumble basically? So, I know for me, um, it takes a long time. That's why I put my book <laughs> on the date in December. I'm like, I'm just going to do it for a long time. <laughs> yeah, but who do you get angry at? Like when things, when, when like deadlines aren't bad. Like, Writer Dora gets really mad at artist Dora. Artist Dora. Artist yeah. Dora gets... <laughs> I'm imagining the Dolan scene from, uh, from the Lord of what the Rings. What is taking so long on these things? <laughs> uh, my buddy Juan from Creature Entertainment, uh, you might know him, Danny. He, he owns uh, Goblin Heist down in Hialeah. Okay. He's, yeah. he's an artist and a writer. And he says like, he's like, Man, writer Juan is always like, this would be so cool. They're by a chain link fence and there's 20 <laughs> people behind it reading. And then three weeks later, artist Juan gets like, fuck that guy. <laughs> I think of, uh, that I was think me. Of that was process. me when I did the one page. <laughs> I, saying, I think of my process more like past Ashley and future Ashley. Like I'm always trying to make it easier for future <laughs> Ashley, but every yeah. once in a while you're like, you idiot. How did you not? <laughs> think that the post office was going to change the prices twice in one year and budget for this accurately. Exactly. Okay, in your defense, the past um, holiday increase was out of nowhere. Mm, yeah. No one no one could have predicted that one. They were just like, you know, in December it costs more. It, it's upsetting because <laughs> I, I really love 
my international crowd and I have like mm -hmm. a good contingent of like international folks who support everything I do and it yeah. sucks to be like by the way your shipping is $35 which is more <laughs> than the reward that you purchase um, we, had, we had one Canadian backer and I felt terrible actually I didn't even know how to ship it I had mm -hmm. to ask Travis I gave Travis the books and I said can you ship this because like I was typing it into what we use like stamps and this and I'm like oh, I can't too. get the address right yeah. Um, I know Gerald who does the breakneck comics. He lives, he's in Canada, mm -hmm. but he lives like right on the border. And he told me he's super lucky to what he does is when he has to ship to us backers, he just gets in the car pre COVID <laughs> or post, post you know, lockdown and goes over the border, ships them from the US post office, super cheap. And then it's Canadian stuff. And I'm like, if you're on the border, that is genius because <laughs> costs down both ways. I have done that several times where I have left off sending Canadian things until if it's within like a month or like six weeks. And I will, if I'm going home, I will take them with me and I will send them because most airports also, by the way, have post offices in them. So even if you're just making a connection, I did that when I went home for my best friend's wedding a couple of years ago. I will probably do that this year, but it's like you are balancing that out with like the price of a plane ticket. So if you're not going to Canada or going to the UK or Australia anyway, like I'm not, got, right? Yeah, I'm not recommending that necessarily. <laughs> unless we all get blessed with, again, like we just keep bringing up Liam Sharp. Unless we well, can, you know, all get blessed with that amount of funding, then maybe we can fly around the world and deliver a couple Kevin, days. I think, Kevin, we were joking um, one time that it actually would have been cheaper for us to just buy a ticket to Australia, fly there and deliver <laughs> the stupid packages, and then fly back. Yeah, I, there, there, there was a point there where everything had to go expressed if you were going to get it there, and it it felt like once you had about 15 or 20 people, if you did, that it was worth doing that. Um, I always, I one, you know, like here's, here's a trick. If you're a Kickstarter backer, here's a trick that we pull. We want people of course, to back at whatever level that they are comfortable back. No problem. If you want to back for $6 or 16 or 600, great. But you know, the more people that back at the higher tiers, the better for the whole campaign. And you never want a really expensive tier that you think people might back to be the most expensive tier because it feels more expensive. So you want to maybe create a tier or two above that. And I, I was sitting there one time and I was like, all right, for $3,000, I'll hand deliver your book to you in America. And for $12,000, I'll hand deliver it to you anywhere in the world. And I was like, if anybody picks it, my wife and my kid and I are going to Australia or Sweden or Germany. <laughs> I mean, nobody picked it. Don't I don't think anybody thought well, about so it. Ashley, is it I think it was Ashley's campaign has the Ashley will deliver it to you. Is it as Aurora? Absolutely. Yeah. If you wanna <laughs> if you wanna like basically double fund what I was asking for, I will come to your house. No matter where <laughs> you are in the world. No one I always put that on there. Nobody ever backs it. But someday one of you creeps who sends me unsolicited dick pics is gonna buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I just know it. <laughs> I uh ooh I the joke's on you, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and Ashley's paying for dinner or a meal. Yeah. A meal. Yeah. <laughs> because that's a public place so it's harder to kill me there that's I, I think that Good is call. very very smart <laughs> yeah that's only five thousand dollars right 
Why I mean, not? if I now, had five thousand dollars, I wouldn't be on Kickstarter. They but... Cal- somewhere in California, like right by her. Jokes on them, you know. <laughs> then <laughs> I can, I can watch. Her and get there. But if they like are gonna send her all the way to like. Japan. You know, Rhode Island, you know, like, there you go. please pay for me to come to Japan, though. <laughs> that's, that's that's part of it. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's a once in a lifetime trip, but definitely in a very public place in another yeah. country, much less. <laughs> and it made me think, like, because one thing it, it, it opened my eyes for a second. Like, I know Ashley's is more so for like the whole fan experience, but it made me think, like, if a and, and it's not perfect because no matter depending where you're going to where you're going the plane tickets different but mm-hmm. like if somebody could make a retailer tier like perfect not perfect but get close to perfect a retailer tier that is literally like hey here are the copies plus you know this is what i anticipate it would cost for me to come down there mm-hmm. here is the signing package you know like yeah. you get 20 copies plus me coming down to sign like that would be something we'd look into, you know, cause we've done it with, especially cover artists um, pay for their flight or pay for their hotel or pay uh, Hoyt Silva's from Atlanta. So he drives down and we pay for his gas. And so it's like, I found that very interesting and it had me, my wheels turning like, Oh, what if people could work in a signing tier, you know? Yeah. I, I'm looking up the distance between Fayetteville, Arkansas and the collective, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, Will, when Tart Season 2 trade paperback comes out in June, Danny and I are talking. So maybe uh, get to Orlando <laughs> in June and, and pull up a table. And a little uh, Southeast tour while you're at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, mean it's, I saw somebody did that recently because it's like, it's especially, I think Travis Gibb helped them set it up. But like, you know, there's us, there's at least one other store, maybe two in Central Florida that are really indie uh, heavy. Then Kyle Willis has his uh, mm-hmm. recent store Jacksonville. in Jacksonville, yeah. which is, you know, if you're staying in Orlando, that's only about a two-hour drive. And then I want to say Scout HQ, like if your book, like if Kevin's out here, Scout HQ is only like like that way. Mm-hmm. And then Travis has a store or two on in Daytona and Melbourne, which so everything's very like you. Can, if you're centrally, like if you're staying in an Orlando or Kissimmee, Central Florida area, you can probably hit like five or six stores. Uh, wow. signings in a matter of less than two hour drives like now granted most stores are going to want you to sign on a wednesday or saturday so you probably got to stay in town for a while but <laughs> <laughs> yeah or make a cool trip <laughs> I, my, my wife we'll come has around been, to con. yes <laughs> yeah 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 my wife has been incredibly encouraging and incredibly supportive i don't think i get to go away for three weeks to sign my comics <laughs> <laughs> wait unless i take my daughter maybe (laughs) if i take my daughter and she has three weeks to do whatever she wants so i'm hearing summer vacation road trip is what i mean (laughs) (laughs) i don't know my kid's 13 she's just discovered how much she wants to be away from us so i don't know how much she'd want to be on a three-week road trip with me oh man that's funny so we're hitting midnight uh, just a little bit after I'm having a an absolute blast. I want to do one crazy thing. All right. What's best picture? Who's winning best picture and who should win best picture? Who's going first? I'll go first. I'll go first. Kevin was so excited. I'll, yeah. I'll go first. Um, I thought I was going to have to say that this is what I wanted to win, but it wouldn't. But now that I'm really watching the 
roller coaster. I think it has a shot. Uh, the movie that blew me away from start to finish and then at the end just absolutely just took my heart and 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 made it that theirs was coda so i'm rooting for coda to win best picture okay i'll go next then mm -hmm. um i i think i would have said before the pgas that it was either going to be power of the dog or west side story now I think it's either going to be Power of the Dog or Coda. And I would be happy for either of those to win because I cried piteously at Coda. Uh, yeah. Troy Coster has my entire heart. Um, but also my British boyfriend is in Power of the Dog. So I just want him to have all the nice things in this world. <laughs> I'm going to go Power of the Dog for the simple fact that I had the tune that uh, Kirsten Dunst was trying to learn stuck in my head for like a week afterwards. So oh, okay. uh, it's not staying power. <laughs> she was fabulous in that. I was, was so nice. happy to see amazing. how good she was in that. Yeah. And, 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 and Cumby was pretty darn good too. I'll give you, I'll give you that. <laughs> not um, as handsome as he usually is, but he was good. <laughs> I, what I will say is I thought Cumberbatch deserved his nomination and I thought uh, Kirsten deserved hers and the the younger supporting actor. Cody Smith I, McPhee of Nightcrawler fame. <laughs> I was a little surprised after I watched it that the other brother got it. Not that he didn't do a great job. He did a great job, but I didn't think that character had big... What he did in the beginning of the movie, in the middle of the movie, and the end of the movie was the same. And I was surprised a nomination came for doing the same thing for two hours really well. Well, he has a he is a he is a better agent than Cody Smith. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. So I if Power of the Dog gets it, I would not be upset. Danny or Will, are you gonna come in or so I I'm a I'm a movie simp in the sense that like <laughs> I like, I, I'm still like, I grew up in the, in the late nineties. I mean, I'm a 91 baby. So I grew up watching Spider-Man, X-Men. Like, I mean, popcorn flicks are kind of my thing as people mm -hmm. will call it. So like Dune kind of did that for me this year okay. in a weird way. Like I actually did not care for the previous Dune at, at all. That was before my time. The special effects weren't, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. that was like, I was like, this is cheesy. This is terrible. This is like tremors. And, um, <laughs> This was like, be whoa, careful. Whoa, I think you just stepped on whoa, dude. some people Trevor, are going to come at you. As, as a kid from the 90s. And like, your Twitter is. Like, <laughs> was always on like TBS or whatever, or TNT oh, yeah. or something. And then, and then Dune would occasionally show up. And I'm like, oh, are these in the same universe? Like, you know, it was just yeah. like, it, it, it was that era, you know? So I'm that kind of kid. So Dune brought me back. To, like, I'm, I'm the guy who's loving the Batman right now. I think hopefully that gets some love uh, next year. But like, I want to, when I go to a movie theater, as much as I love, like, your heartfelt, like, I love good storytelling. I do. Um, and I will usually watch that at home. So when I want, like, my movies, when I'm going to a movie theater, I just want to, like, have my tub of popcorn, my blue icy, and I just want to, like, enjoy. I don't care if it's a hundred, like, I don't care if it's an hour and... 20 minutes to get to the minimum of a major motion picture yeah. or if it's like three hours like batman or like <laughs> i mean as much as avatar gets hate like i love that movie in a sense because when i saw it in theaters for the first time it just like 
blew my freaking mind right. and like i like experience no like pun that. intended it blew your mind yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad pun no <laughs> but uh yeah and i thought dune brought that back in a sense like that cin- major cinematic masterpiece and yeah obviously multi hundred million dollar budget and everything but like i'm a simp for that type of stuff <laughs> well you know you make a really good point that uh it used to be the the budgets between you know, TVs and movies were so radically different that you couldn't get what, what nowadays, you know, you know, some, some weekly series, you know, they're, they're doing 10 episodes, but Mm -hmm. they have huge budgets for those 10 episodes and you're getting an almost 10 hour, you know, movie type experience just broken Mm up, you know, in, in a serial format. So it's, it's really interesting because the entire, I, I feel like the entire, storytelling chops of you know entertainment has just risen so much you know in the last you know couple of decades yeah, oh, yeah. well we're lucky and and kevin's kevin's 13 year old daughter is lucky like for like uh, you know the content that's about to come out man like <laughs> so, tv is so much better than it was yeah. yeah but but as somebody who had a daughter 13 years ago i'm lucky because i had a kid during the pixar era I had a kid during the the Lord and Miller era of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. The kids' movies that I was forced to go to were 80% of the time friggin' awesome. The movies my parents had to take me to were utter crap. I, I thought that they were great. Like you had like the Goonies. We did and have like, the Goonies. Yeah, that was uh, pretty good. He, I guess. I don't know. There's yeah. stuff. There's stuff. I, I've heard of this Star one Wars. Star Wars. I heard of this little tiny movie independent film called Star Wars, you know. Star <laughs> Trek <laughs> <never>. contact. <laughs> They'll never that Star Wars will never make it. Those, yeah. those the, the truck and the wars never don't have a chance. <laughs> I I will say that I remember uh dad took me to go see and I grew up in rural Arkansas, so we went to the theater in the, the smaller big city that was close, but uh, <laughs> we saw Star Trek, the motion picture and we can't, we both came out of that. And I was like, it's Why? coming out on 4k though. And I'm excited. <laughs> we're like, <laughs> we're like, what, what was that? Dad, it was <laughs> long. Lots of pretty lights. I don't know what, it was what long. just happened. <laughs> beautiful. That movie it was, was beautiful. so beautiful. And Dude. that's where I'm going to stop. Like exactly. I was gonna say, this will show how young like I kind of am in the sense that <laughs> when I my br- older brother took me to see the first X Men movie that that Brian Singer X Men movie, you know yeah. what started it all because that predates Spider Man by like a year. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and I had never read a. I come from a Hispanic family, so I'd never read a comic in my life. I knew who Spider Man and the X Men were from the animated series on Fox. Mm-hmm. So I see this live action thing with like Wolverine and Cyclops, and again, that movie it, it hasn't held up great because of special effects, but it was great at the time. Oh, yeah. And I remember literally coming out of there. I mean, that's what made me a comic fan. You know, like my jaw was on the floor. Like <laughs> cinema is so important. Like I just, mm-hmm. I know we were here to talk about comics, but like cinema <laughs> is so important. And I actually love. I say this all the time. I love that comic books are getting made into um, mm-hmm. movies, but I really wish movie studios would realize that comic books are literally storyboards. You do not have to change a ton of it. It is storyboarded for you. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead and cast somebody and write a script and you are going to be fine. 
And Jimmy Palmiotti has an amazing idea is the movie theater should have graphic novels of, you know, when Captain Marvel came out, they should have had Kelly Sue DeConnick's. Where is the Spinnerax in yeah. the bodies? Like right behind you. That Spinnerack is so awesome. That's a Kickstarter. That is from, is it this way? Yeah, space. Uh, that, that was a Kickstarter reward. That's <laughs> that, awesome. that was the one that they sell through Diamond, but it was originally a Kickstarter project. So nice. Oh, wow. Bring it all back together. <laughs> And, and, you know, like what, what was the, the, we were just talking about um, non superhero comics that turned into a movie like road to perdition. 99% of the people that saw that movie had no idea that it was a comic. Oh yeah. And um, that one M night Shyamalan movie recently, I think it was called old or that might be the graphic novel. That was the most recent one he did. Oh, yeah. yeah mm -hmm. so that's based on a graphic novel. We never even carried it prior to the the trailer. And then somebody asked about it, and then we ordered, you know, uh, I think it's called Sandcastle or Sandcastles, maybe is the, the graphic novel, that but we ordered sense. up on it and then we sold out of it. It's actually amazing. Uh, I know I'm in retailer threads where like retailers like, ah, I'm not going to order up on Batman because the movie's not going to bring anybody in here. And then like, <laughs> I'm not dumb. I ordered up on Batman Long Halloween and Ego and Year One and like, what I thought was enough copies at 10 is now like, oh my God, I have to reorder more Batman. So people do come in, but it's right. The movie theaters, they're making millions on Marvel, like AMC Regal. It mm -hmm. wouldn't hurt them. And like, maybe it would hurt comic stores, but it really wouldn't hurt a movie theater to put a spinner rack right at but, the thing. And just but, with graphic novels, don't put single issues, just put the graphic novels up there. But if they sold 300 um, copies of Batman Year One, and then a month later, Batman's not in the movie theater. And 180 of those people liked it. Doesn't that help you in the long yep. run if they did that? Exactly. And that's, that's why I say it'd be, it's great for the comic industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. Because it's going to get comic books in the hands of people that aren't likely to even know where they're at. I mean, I, I feel like more people are finding graphic novels at Barnes & Noble. Just because that's where you are going to look for all your books and they, they, they have good branding in the sense of graphic novels, mm -hmm. magazines. Mm -hmm. But like there's still people, a person who's finding a graphic novel at Barnes and Noble, and, unless they're literally shopping there because they're like a Barnes and Noble club member and they get a nice mm -hmm. discount or whatever, like they likely don't know about their local comic store. You know, they're there because that's where they assume the graphic novels are available. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, I think um, the the recent uh, J-Lo movie was based on a... That's right. A, a, that, I think it was actually, based on a graphic novel that... Uh, Marry Me? Yeah. yeah. Um, it might even be... A, is it an Action Lab comic? No. Uh, I wow. think the, the writer was saying, yeah, he just ran across it when he was at San Diego and said, hey, this is cool. We're going to make I a movie out of it. I wish someone like that would run across my table. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Russell Nolte said that it... who. The, the writer, artist, or, or writer of it, he had met at cons for years, and the guy was just, you know, pushing out his, his book. And I that's one that's on our list because, you know, we've heard it's a decent romantic comedy, and my kid's 13, and I, I'm a sucker for good romantic comedy. <laughs> uh, uh, so I'll, I'll, we're gonna, we're definitely gonna watch that pretty soon, but uh, haven't yeah, got to it yet. It's on my list too. The writer is uh, John Rogers, he actually wrote uh, Blue Beetle for a while, he did Le Leverage. Uh, on TV, um, the librarians. Um, trying to think what what are the recent stuff. But he, I, he it's I, I, 
he's an awesome writer. I just like following him. He's he's a good dude. Cool. No, I mean that's 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 a beautiful like you know like Jonathan Edrick. He's somebody who's trying to yep. put you know uh, the the I'm sorry the the recount recount the countdown yeah. the recount. You know someone is putting that together, and Jonathan couldn't be a nicer person. And and the book is great, and it's just like it's exciting to see it happening for people and hopefully they take his source material and do it justice because I could yeah. see that being an amazing uh, mm -hmm. television show movie. I don't know. Jo Jonathan wasn't real big on details at the time, which I think is probably contractually. <laughs> and I respect I think, that. I think yeah. Trey Walker's last stop was also optioned. I think he's been telling me that they're working on a lot of stuff and, and that's one again, that because of, uh, Trey and Hoyt's style that can be animated or live action and I mean it's still either way um, mm -hmm. Netflix has had a lot of success with animated like I don't think animated is something bad anymore like in that yeah. sense like it's not the cheaper thing I think Into the Spider-Verse showed us that animated yeah. is is very much a big money thing Lord oh, Miller wow. <laughs> yep. Yep. have you guys seen the Harley Quinn animated series I, yeah. my wife does not like to watch she's like oh no no animation we both watched we laughed and laughed and laughed that is such an awesome series it's just so funny <laughs> my daughter is so jealous that we get to watch that because it's we just keep saying like look when you're a little older yes <laughs> but <laughs> it's I'm just gonna get sneaky like we had to do watching the simpsons in the night yeah exactly <laughs> i was just watching beavis and butthead like today all right, oh, I watched yeah. the Beavis and Butthead movie from like, I don't know, 1996. So again, I watched that movie when I was like eight years old. I should not have been watching. I think my parents mm. saw it was a cartoon and they were like, oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> so I'm watching that as a 31 year old and I'm seeing, jo I'm hearing jokes and I'm laughing my butt off. Uh -huh. But I'm like, I totally didn't get that no. when I was eight. You know, I'm like, oh my God, I did not know what that meant when I was that age, but that is funny, you know? So it's, it's crazy how that works. Yeah. We, we've just opened up our rated movies, so every once in a while, one will go by and, and I just kind of like... <laughs> so That's right. I remember you... you uh... You showed her Die, Die Hard was the first one, right? Die Hard was the first one. Uh, the, we, then we then we then we went to the first Terminator, um, and yeah. then we went. Oh, Arnie's on the table, and we we had to buy Commando and Raw Deal because they aren't streaming anywhere. Uh, we were just like, look, okay, Terminator is filet mignon. <laughs> These are just sugary popsicles, and they're so good. I haven't watched Terminator in years. That's really R-rated. The first one is. Yeah. The first one is R-rated. T2 is PG-13, but the first one's R-rated. Wow. He pulls the guy's heart out, Danny. <laughs> Don't you get one of those? Don't you get one of those? It's one, one F word and one heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, because that was in uh, uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, right? You know, That's true. Is yeah, just Spielberg gets away with shit, man. <laughs> That guy Spielberg melts. Was, that guy yeah. melts. He gets with it because movie. we think like parents with cartoons are like, ah, oh, it's Spielberg. It's like feel good. It's fam. And then you're like, I'm crying at ET. What is happening? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's because of Gremlins. He didn't direct it, but he produced it. Gremlins is the only reason we have PG 13. Yeah. A bunch true. of parents were like, he did ET. 
we're gonna take our kids and then the gremlins are you know like gremlins isn't that bad though i'm pretty sure like... <laughs> okay so read up on gremlins and pg-13 kids kids came out of that theater like traumatized <laughs> I was I, pretty I watched that as a 28 year old, so I guess yeah. I was all right. But yeah. hey, don't talk if you've already seen the movie, Saw, okay? you can't watch Gremlins and decide, you know. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. You can't go back from, you're not going to get the same effect. No, no. <laughs> well, it is 12 30 my time. I know we're all over the country, but I want to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, let's do another. We're, like I said, it's not live. We can do it as many times as we want. Let's do another <laughs> 30 second pitch and see how it goes now. I'll let you go last, Dar. Uh, Danny. The next time somebody comes into the shop and they and they uh, you want them to walk out with Tales of the Collective, how would you talk to that book about it? So Tales from the Collective Initiative 2022 is a 36-page uh, anthology, five different creative teams. That's why it's a couple extra pages. So it's five complete, uh, five to seven-page stories from creators from all over the world, or all over the U.S. at least, um, three of which being from Florida. We have sci-fi, we have superheroes, we have fantasy, we have pirates, and we have samurais. So five completely unique stories in their own universes. Um, four out of the five have never been published. None of those pages have ever been published. And the fifth one uh, is kind of an Ashcan uh, review to get you into issue three of a new title. Maybe mm -hmm. you have, maybe you haven't read, maybe you forgot about. But and, five and books. zero issue of Baron that you think is uh, going to explode. So this is your chance to... Uh... <laughs> it's, it's such great storytelling by, by CJ. It's like... I know so many people are tempted to put their origin story in like your first issue. Like your first issue has to be like, this is how I became who I became. But mm -hmm. I mean, traditionally in comics, that wasn't how it was necessarily done. You know, like mm -hmm. detective comics 27 isn't necessarily like all about his origin that you get a lot of that in year one, which was years later. Mm -hmm. So I love the idea that he held that instead of just doing that as issue one. So I'm really excited for that story. Cool. Ashley, if, if after you say, Hey, Hey! With your full actor diaphragm, yeah, what would you say? Here. The drama kid. <laughs> I'd say, hey! And then I would say, if you miss Supergirl on the CW and you think you've never read a Canadian superhero comic book because you're unaware of Alpha Flight or Captain Canuck or Novena of the North was the first original <laughs> female superhero, then I would recommend checking out Aurora and the Eagle. She's designed to look like me and based on me. And if you're a man and this is a comic book store, the one that I used to work in, you probably like me. So I think that you would like my comic book. It is the intersection of superhero identities and what all of that means. And there's a huge cliffhanger. And if that doesn't get you, then you don't have to come for volume two. Nice. All right. Bravo. Love the confidence. All right, Dora. Let's you, I have and remember this. This is not live. You can just do it, okay. start over, do it. And then Will and I will edit it. Okay. So, <laughs> hey. <laughs> I've learned that. Hey. If you like classic horror, like The Omen, Rosemary's Baby, um, the original Stepford Wives, check out Nine Crow. It is psychological suspense, mystery in a small town setting. And uh, yeah, take a look at it. And I will say Written from experience. Yes, she did all this shit. <laughs> uh, don't forget that one. After Hey, the <laughs> others, I did all this shit. Um, 
No, one thing I will say, if you're going to Kickstarter to look for Nine Crow, there is not a, there is one word, not two. Uh, I put it in as two words, not thinking, and was like, oh my God, I don't know if she launched. And then I used your name and, and found it. Ah, so one yeah. word, Nine one Crow. Word. Yep. One word. I had to get cute with that. I don't know why. Yeah. No, hey, listen, you there's nothing wrong with that. I don't know much about Kickstarter algorithms, but I hear Travis Gibb always like yell these things out to people. Maybe like you could get all fancy with the title and be like nine crow, you know, the the, the your tagline and then parentheses at the end be like not nine crow. You still come up. You're yeah, still, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Perfect. Yeah, oh my God, Shawnee! This well, has been an birthday. awesome ending to a happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Shawnee! It's happy birthday. It's also King T'Chaka's birthday, and tomorrow it's my birthday. So oh, that's so wow. fun. Happy, happy birthday! birthday. Okay. Okay. It's your birthday King's on the East Coast. We're in the future. That's right. Yeah. Ashley, Ashley, I'm gonna say you get out of this. Anybody gonna join me? Uh, Singing Shawnee and Ashley a happy birthday, or do you I'll guys sing, dare? I'll sing to <laughs> I promise you, I can't sing. I can't but either. I'm gonna do it. Okay. All right. Happy. happy wait, 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 wait. Wait a second. Will we get sued? <laughs> no, I think no, public, public domain. domain. Like that's 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 different now, right? Okay, yeah. good. Because yeah. Will and I don't have the money. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to go to Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we can kickstart the legal fees. <laughs> And then you make know a what? comic. The one of the rules <laughs> would be that we make a comic about the, How the legal proceedings. All right, Shawnee, you're. I know for a fact you're worth it, Ashley. In in an hour and uh, twenty six minutes, you proved you're worth it. Thank Fuck you. It. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy We're birthday, really good at Shawnee and <laughs> Happy <laughs> birthday <laughs> to you. Kevin, you're so lucky you're not on Twitch because then people could have screen capped that and then just share it all over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know what? Shawnee, you are the absolute best. I hope it was a wonderful Shani, birthday. If you, get, you. Uh, if you want, send me. Uh, you can send me a message through Facebook, or you can also reach out to Kevin. I'll send you a free copy of uh, Tales from the Collective Initiative as a birthday. Uh, oh, nice, awesome! Yeah. That is Aww. cool. So now is the time where Will and I really show you how little uh, uh, work we put into it. That's where we're going to go off the rails, right? Yeah, it's where it goes <laughs> off the rails. We're going to talk about the campaigns that. People have been on the show in the last couple of weeks that are still alive. We're going to do it for you, Dora. And we're not going to, you know what? I already sent you happy birthday, Ashley. I'm not doing that shit for you. <laughs> and Danny, you neither. <laughs> but um, you can hang with us. And if you know about the campaigns, talk about them. And if it's time for you to go bed and it's late or you got something else to do, you can hop off as well. We don't. It is my dinner time. So I will say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Back everything here. Back the stuff that's still happening. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it was birthday. a pleasure. Please okay. let us know when you're doing anything. We'll get you on. Oh, I'll be back. All right. <laughs> Bye. Danny, Dory, you hanging or are you?
Are you taking I'm off? I'm stick around just because I don't know what you guys have, and maybe it's interesting. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, we've got two. I'm on time as well. I'm, I'm on Pacific time, too, so it's my dinner time. I hear my husband cooking out there. So <laughs> it, was, it was wonderful to yep. meet you, and I cannot nice to wait to, uh, to read the story. Yep. Thank you so again. much. I really love being on. It was awesome meeting you guys. Take you're, care. You're the best. Thanks. Good night. Bye. All right. So we have two Cthulhu and anthologies still running. We have Russell Nolte's uh, third volume of Cthulhu Invades. Uh, wait, no, no, I got I got him confused. Hard to spell. Hard to yeah. spell. And exactly. this third volume has basically the Elder Gods against uh, the mythical gods. The fate mm -hmm. of the Earth is. Um, I don't know who somebody's going to win. Uh, I guess we're rooting for Zeus, right? I because <laughs> I mean, all he does is like you know impregnate our our friends and family. He doesn't like, eat <laughs> yeah. us. So yeah. what a jerk! I mean, and that's I not think, it's not great, but yeah. it's not <laughs> it's not consumed by an elder god kind of thing, too. So yeah, uh, it ends on April seventh. So okay, we've got a couple weeks left, I guess. Really awesome, great, and, and amazing. I mean, it's got like thirty to forty different teams, and I tried to say it. Cthulhu invades Wonderland, which is the second volume of uh, Travis Gibbs' anthology, and he's got another great group of creators. And what I think is kind of neat about both of those volumes is there actually was a theme to each volume in the anthology. Travis's first one was Cthulhu invades Oz. Now it's Wonderland, and you know, I think the next one is going to be in the Peter Pan world. I think he told Never, us last Neverland, week, yeah, Neverland. So and, uh, he does his uh, anthologies are different, they're not necessarily separate, they are separate stories, but there's an overall story that a thread that goes through all of them. So it is one big story for that anthology. Whereas mm -hmm. uh, Cthulhu is hard to spell, is a theme. Not necessarily one, you know, overarching narrative. Right, right, and it's just kind of like, but Cthulhu uh, is hard to spell. This is it. This is your chance. He's not. I don't think he's doing another one of those. So, yeah, both of those are are well worth it. Amazing teams. Uh, his, if I started naming one, them, right? just, what's that? That's his third one. His That's his third one. and last one. Yep. 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 And then we had Broken Trident, which only mm -hmm. has two hours. Whoa! Oh wow! Oh, see gosh, those guys, 22. Wait, wait, wait. 22 minutes. No, we guys gotta get asked up. you. See, those guys asked you. They were like, oh, man, I should end. When should I end this? Uh, you <laughs> <have to know. laughs> All right. So, guys, you got 22 minutes. So if you're watching this uh, later, uh, it is you missed this one, but you can get it for issue two. Broken Trident came from a D&D &D session where the, the writer Dave uh, Steinborn came up with an undersea elf and played his campaign and just kind of fell in love with the character and decided to basically, he loved the character so much that he destroyed his world and put the character on a revenge quest. So this, the whole story is new, but the character came from a D&D campaign. And Dave was just a real cool guy and the art on it is incredible. And you have 22 minutes, so. Well, uh, and if they're watching this later and they missed it, the collective just back the retailer tier, so nice, you can, oh, nice. Uh, grab, potentially grab that because it looks interesting and D and D books sell really well in the store. Awesome. Oh well, I mean, we get. Let, let me see if I can find the other D and D God Slayers episode one. <laughs> also came from a, a 
basically a Dungeons and Dragons aficionado. Oh. I believe he runs his own campaigns. You know this one? I was on. Um, he was on um, the Travis's show with me on Wednesday. Nathan oh, Lewis. cool! Yep. Real nice guy, Nathan. He goes by Gage the uh, Gage the Wolf. I think Gage yeah. the Wolf. Thank you. Because yep. I was, I was, I was done. I, I he comes <laughs> as Gage the Wolf. Um, super nice guy. Uh, just his love for D and D and comics, and he found an artist that he just wanted to draw his uh, his original character, and then he got that back, and he went. I love how it looks. I want to make a comic and just super excited, real nice guy. And he's just, he had a dream and he's making it happen. So uh, God Slayer is definitely worth checking out. And you have seven days to get to that one. So a little more time on God Slayer. And then the uh, last one looks uh, just one more, right? I'm not uh, sure. You're probably right. <laughs> Magic Powder, number two. Yes. Which is uh, a Fantasy setting. Let's see. How do you describe it? It's um, fantasy crime. Yeah, it's, it's fantasy with the crime. It's the wire. Yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rings meets the wire, or, exactly. or yeah, something like that. Exactly. Crime fantasy with uh, crime within a fantasy world. And Jeff is just super good guy. I've been um, Twitter acquaintances for about six months to a year, and just nice guy, always doing the work and the art on that campaign is just like if you like fantasy just check out the art and it, it, you'll be like me you're, you're gonna back it because it's just a cool looking uh thing and and i've never gotten to the wire i need to i've too many people told me it's the best so i'll uh, i'm in the same boat it. yeah i i it's one it's on my list i just haven't got around to it yet no and i think that is yeah, it. i think that's it mm -hmm. I got so, I got an extra a new book for the store thanks to you guys. Well, actually, two. Awesome. No, Danny, thank thank you. Yeah. And and like honestly, I I don't say this to blow smoke. I don't say this disingenuously. When stores actually give us a chance, it is humbling and unbelievably appreciated. Mm -hmm. um, because there are about four different audiences for sequential art and there's the kickstarter audience and there's the retail audience and then there's the barnes and noble and i just appreciate you giving us a chance at the entire indie community to to in one small part of florida get our books in front of an audience that is very difficult uh mm -hmm. to get in front of it, it's really nothing um maybe for the next collective initiatives like our first one on the inside page we have our little like spiel. It's like the collective initiative is, is this and that. And I might change up for next one because literally like as more and more people are thanking me, I'm like, thank you. Because uh, most people don't notice that I actually was working at another comic book store pre-pandemic. Um, and, mm -hmm. and it was a big change for me career wise. I'd gone from working in a cubicle and a desk with benefits to being like, I want to do something I enjoy a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I was really enjoying being like a comic salesman and manager of a store. And then the pandemic hit and I was one of one employees at a small store with a hands-on owner. Hmm. Well, he panicked and he thought that there was the comic diamond shut down. He thought mm -hmm. comics as we know, it wasn't going to be the same again. He let me go. Mm -hmm. um, I was about to take a job at Aldi's uh, ringing <laughs> people up and bagging things up because it was going to pay me about the same and everything. Mm -hmm. And then Brendan at the collective had an opening 
and he brings me in on a trial run, and, and here we are. <clears throat> but the whole reason we did it all was when he brought me on, Diamond was still shut down for like another two weeks, I think. And mm-hmm. then by then, you know, the, then the back pile happened. But I found out at that time that Scout Comics was still shipping their books because mm-hmm. Scout was direct. And I said, oh, my God, if I can find this kind of well that even if the world shuts down again, which we got close to and, and you know, mm-hmm. you never know. But if the world shuts down again, that we can still have a couple of fresh stories, you know, that mm-hmm. whether we need to do uh, pick up curbside or delivery or something like that, if I can still have new books, because Kickstarters are still going to happen. I'm sure Kickstarters were still happening during the shutdown. You know, I mean, there was that month where everything was closed. Okay. But- I'll tell when you're done, I'll tell you about that. I'll, I'll, I'll fill yeah. you in on that side. So all, all we really tried to do at first was just provide ourselves with this backup plan of these people are going to still create comics. Scout is still mm-hmm. going to ship them out. Mad Cave is going to ship them out. The Kickstarter people that have them printed are going to ship them out. The Kickstarters we never backed before. And I know there's guys like you guys that have a pile of books in a, in a back room that your spouse is yelling at you about. Um, <laughs> you guys are dying to ship those out to us. And, and now we have that opportunity. And if the world yeah. ever shuts down again, we're just going to go to that network. Forget about waiting for Diamond. We're mm-hmm. just going to go and hit up Kevin and Will and Travis and say, who do you got? And tell them all to send us mm-hmm. invoices because we're going to take all of their books. Now that's, you know, I hope it doesn't shut down again. I hope you that I would be very happy to uh, live in a world where I can send you fewer books and we don't all have to shut down. Exactly. But if it does, I will happily do my part. <laughs> so, Will, you can you can kind of jump in with your your point of view. I had a campaign that was um, coming. And then this all happened. And uh, then I started hearing that like the postal service literally might not survive this. And I was like, Holy shit. What are, what are we going to do? And I thought, well, I have a book that's almost done. And it looks like Kickstarters are doing okay in that timing. Well, what I didn't realize was Kickstarters did amazing during the pandemic because readers wanted stories and here was a way to keep stories coming. So for those three months where it was little touch and go about diamond and, and stores were some of the best Kickstarter um, times. And so we almost, I don't want to say profited off of it because we all had our own personal issues one way or the mm-hmm. other with it, which, you know, my my story is a lot nicer than most people's story. I'm very been very lucky, but um, yeah, the Kickstarter worked, and I was like, I can actually give money to the post office so that look, the twelve hundred dollars, two thousand dollars I paid in postage is not going to change whether the U.S. Okay. post office is around or not. But a thousand of me is doing it. Might yeah, <laughs> you know for. For me, uh, it was it was kind of a, an eye opener because Crossover Division started out as I'm do I'm doing this eight page story, and that's going to be the pitch package. You know, I've got a cover, I've got my eight pages, and I'm going to send it out to publishers who all shut down during the mm-hmm. pandemic. And and honestly, I was like. If Diamond can just shut down the U.S. comics industry because they're not shipping and publishers can't do anything about it, I mean, 
granted, you know, there are good things that publishers can do for me, but why at this point do I need a publisher? Mm -hmm. And I, I thought, no, let's just go with Kickstarter. So the shutdown, you know, was like March, April. We had, were finishing up that story. And then Pablo went to work finishing the art for the first issue, which was a 26 page plus the eight pages. And, you know, we funded at the end of the end of the, of 2020. And that was, you know, as, as much as, as much as I want to be in comic stores, you know, through Diamond and all that, mm -hmm. me getting to, to make these and put them out and getting them done, you know, is kind of, the pandemic showed me that it was more important for me to get it done than to wait for somebody else to, to let me do it, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was, and I've been very, you know, like Kevin, I've, I've been extraordinarily lucky during the pandemic, you know, being able to work from home and for the most part and you know, nobody getting, you know, horribly sick, but, uh, not a lot of people, everybody's not been that lucky <laughs> for, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, and, and there've been publishers. I mean, I didn't want to bring it up like, but like, uh, action lab, uh, mm -hmm. had a lot of issues this past year and, and some, really? of, them, <laughs> some of them may have been pre-existing. I, I missed that. I missed that. What happened? <laughs> I honestly would love to pick Ashley's brain because when I realized she did Jupiter Jet, I'm like, that's one of the more successful older Action Lab books that isn't, you know, Zombie Tramp. And, and I was mm -hmm. intrigued with her experience, you know. But uh, we we know I know Jared Lahuan. I don't know if you guys know know him from his yeah. uh, Mad Cave work. And then he mm -hmm. had the big Action Lab thing on social media. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm still kind of waiting for Crash and Troy because he's a friend of the store. He's somebody we backed his Kickstarters. So yeah. when, when one of those guys like, like Kevin, when his next diamond thing comes out, you know, that's something where we can easily order tons mm -hmm. of because mm -hmm. just the price point and everything. So we were ready to have, you know, 20 to 30 copies of his book thinking about getting him out from San Antonio. And, you know, that whole thing happens. And now he says he's talking to other people and, you know, that put a one to two year, you know, oh, stop yeah. or pause to his yeah. whole publishing plan for a book that's completed, which I can imagine is stressful for a creator. So like frustrating. You know, I, I mean, I, I could see him just, go, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, I'm not going to bring up a name. We, we have a, Will and I have a mutual friend that has, has a book at action lab and it's, I mean, it's like Jared, it's, it's been uh, pretty crushing. Um, mm -hmm. And I, met the people who ran action lab at a new york comic-con uh before i knew anybody at scout and i did happen to pitch tart and all i can say is i'm you know like i'm very lucky that they did not pick us up or i could be in the same situation mm -hmm. because you're darn tootin unless there was something in the contract and i'm not very smart so i probably wouldn't have picked <laughs> it up um i just there but by the grace of god and by them not thinking that i think that tart is that weird middle ground where action lab either wants would want us to be way more adult or way less adult <laughs> so our our hard pg-13 uh <laughs> soft r rating <laughs> might have really helped us not get picked up by action lab <laughs> and and look man i i don't know the ins and outs i know the creators that were 
affected by it are all seem like really good people. And mm -hmm. I, and I really am very sorry that it happened to them. And I don't always know whether it's incompetence or malice or some combination of the, when, when these things happen. So I, I try not to talk about it because I literally am not smart enough to parse those things, but I feel for any creator who is stuck. Stuff. Yeah, and, and mm -hmm. it goes back to what Will said in the sense of like, you know, just just be careful, you know, I mean, you can't there is an avenue to publish it yourself, you know, and, mm -hmm. it, and it might not always lead to the high dollars right away. Right. But like I've watched uh, other than Action Lab and, and there's other publishers, but I've watched people because there's contracts. I mean, this is a world of contracts mm -hmm. and I've watched people uh, give their their hard, hard earned and hard worked uh, creative thing to a company that, you know, I'm sure still appreciated it, but whether it be for one reason or another paper shortages, just not having the capital, you know, cause capital yeah. is a big thing. Um, kind of, I don't want to say ruining their book, but making it difficult. So let's just mm -hmm. make it difficult, you know? Well, and this is, uh, unfortunately, this isn't new. I just think back to Eclipse comics. Yep. You yeah. know, <laughs> like there's a, uh, Neil Gaiman talks about when he took over Miracle Man, um, they would get angry letters from the publishers saying you guys owe us the next issue. And he'd say it's done. Uh, I can't remember who was drawing at this time. Mark when, when Buckingham Ga maybe, or it was Mark Gaiman's Mark. artist. I think Buckingham was with Alan Moore, but don't, I could okay. be wrong. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Both of those but guys the, are weird. the artist had all 24 pages of art finished in the safe. And they were like, you need to send it. Your contract says you need to send it. And they said, it's done. You send us the payment for <laughs> issue 21. And you'll get issue 22. <laughs> so they, they had the issue done. But Eclipse, you know, with, again, malice, greed, incompetence, incompetence. biting off more than they can chew. Who knows Who knows which it is in, mm -hmm. in any of these things. And. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's always some combination of many things. I was just going to say, a lot of times it's a combination because yeah. right now so many uh, companies are getting into publishing, you know what I'm saying? Like I just heard recently a company was bought out by another entertainment company and it's just like when you start getting, because, you know, people talk smack about DC and, and Marvel because they're such big companies now being mm -hmm. owned by Warner and AT&T and Disney. But at least they're like a publishing arm that has been publishing comics for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I do get worried when I hear, you know, oh, this video game developer is buying this comic company or, or this because it's like, OK, you know how to do video games. But mm -hmm. th that is a different animal than comics. Or when I hear this book publisher that they're going from novels to comics, those are very different things. Even prose to comics are different. Oh, things. Yeah. So it's mm -hmm. just it's never the same space as much as people think it's the same space. So I, I just, you know. It's it's a uh, it's murky waters, but I, I I always I don't envy you guys having done two kickstarters, just two, and I haven't had to create anything really. Um, I don't envy any of you guys because it's not easy, man. It's not easy. Well, you know, I've um, you know Kickstarter will sometimes send out surveys. I think you've done a couple, Kevin. I think I've done maybe one. I said, let me duplicate an entire project so that I can. Because I'm serializing, okay? And I'll change the stuff, but don't yeah. make me hammer in all of the stupid rewards again from scratch. Don't make me hammer in all of the items again from scratch. Mm -hmm. Please, because that takes hours. 
that I could be doing something else. You know, I could I be advertising the Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm yeah. guessing. That's like eighty to ninety percent of what you guys do when the campaign. Once you hit the button, to then the end is promote. You know, like oh, yeah. you really aren't trying to because most of you guys go to Kickstarter with an almost completed book. So it's not right, like yeah. writing a script or anything like, but the yeah. promotion is so important, dude. And I, I had yeah. that conversation with Travis the other day. It's like, there's also things hindering you from promotion because like Facebook won't let you get be seen by as many mm -hmm. people unless you do a paid ad. Mm -hmm. It's not, uh, I, the, there is nothing more deflating than, you know, closing on a Thursday night and Friday at noon, somebody emailing you, Hey, I wanted to get that thing what should i do <laughs> yeah you know and you know it's coming from a good place and it's just yeah. like I, I i've been shouting I, I, yeah I, <laughs> how did because it's on it's on you it is on you for yeah. not getting somebody who wanted to support you it's not on yeah. them for oh, yeah. missing it but then how did it's I also not, how did, it, how makes did you, i fail it makes you wonder yeah, yeah because you know you've been everywhere i mean we're on instagram twitter facebook Mm -hmm. Like, and I know it's different. Your post should be different on all of them, you know, because Facebook works different than Instagram works different than mm -hmm. Twitter. But it's like, and it's, it's daunting, man. And, and again, I know all of you guys have day jobs and like, we're trying to do it while balancing the store. And it's mm -hmm. like, it is tough, man. Like, I, that's why Travis Gibb, I call him the champion of it all, man, because like <laughs> how he does it. And I know that he has the job. Plus I know he has, you know, his like three-year-old son and everything. <laughs> like it is not easy. Well, you know, oh, no, I've, I've met that son. That kid is the best behaved little baby. <laughs> Dude, he, at at he six weeks old, he didn't he make cry. Store for signings, and it's yeah. it's great because like for the first because obviously he's in a comic store and to toys and everything. So uh -huh. the first like 10, 20 minutes, he's like excited, he's hyped, right. and then after that, he's literally like on his iPad and he's ready to go. And then yeah. he naps in the middle of signings. Like I walk back there to ask <laughs> Travis if he's doing good. I just see the baby napping. I'm like, oh, all right, like that's good. I joked with Travis. That we should redo uh, the Nirvana cover with Remy, <laughs> and then when he brings Remy to the store, we can get like a little pad of ink for his hand and have the end of book, man. Like, isn't that perfect? Like, you get Travis and his son's signature on there, cover so, artist and writer, right? So <laughs> when I, I stopped into the collective, Danny was like, "Hey, do you want to sign some books?" I was like, "Well, I mean." Oh, sure. So he gave, he brought out a table. My daughter was with me. So my daughter sat down and one guy came through and got some books and he asked if I'd sign it. And I said, sure. And he asked my daughter, do you want to sign it? And she looked at me like, yeah, I was like, if he's buying the book, he can ask anybody in the world. to sign it." <laughs> <laughs> so she signed one of my comics. I, was like, I don't, he bought the book, man. He yeah. do whatever he wants. You it's, sign it. I I'll sign it twice. It's amazing how like a lot of people are doing it to to support. Like I mean, I I do the thing where I give them an extra stamp if they're buying anything from a creator in the store. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's one dollar. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, thank you for supporting them, you know. And I toss mm -hmm. them an extra. But like I find out more times than not, like and people are reading the books, but like they just want to support like the fact that they see a guy that's that we don't really bring in Scott Snyder or Joshua Williamson or James mm -hmm. Tinian to sign, you know, we're oh, not, you should do people. that. They're, yeah, they, yeah, they sell a lot a of books. It would probably work, but we don't have, we don't have those connections right. just yet. Right. So I think when people see, you know, a Travis Gibb, a Jonathan Hedrick, a David Byrne, they're like, Oh, this is awesome. Like, can you just sign it? And like, I've been to a lot of conventions. If at our store, it becomes more than a just, hey, can you sign it? I want to send it to CGC or can you sign it? I'm going to put it in the back of my box. It's like, 
can you sign it and like personal like write to like we had a mm-hmm. hem car uh hs uh tack from redshift from um oh okay from scout yeah. and he was literally like people were asking for personalization he's like thank you voyager like thank you space <laughs> like and he's literally like thinking this out and it's like I love that because it personalizes the book and then it gives them a memory, like rather than just yeah. like, Oh, I bought this book once and it was good. I mean, yes, you want that reaction, but like, but also an experience. Oh, I met the writer of this and he was so nice. Like mm-hmm. that, that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, the, uh, the marketing stuff. Um, I w- another thing that I wish Kickstarter would do is if you have your project image, let you start marketing with the launch, you know, the pre-launch page without getting pre-approved or maybe just pre-approving that or something because having to get enough of the page done to get it approved so that then you can have the pre-launch page so then you can do all your pre-launch marketing. I mean, I I took a chance for this this one actually. Um and I didn't have any of my reward tiers but I said, you know, insert image here. I put little brackets, mm-hmm. you know, everywhere I was going to put images. And I did all my rewards and did all my, uh, uh, you know, items and everything. Well, and I actually didn't even do three reward tiers. I still need to go back and finish. But I went ahead and submitted it. It took them five days, the whole five <laughs> days. But they went ahead and said, you're good to go. So I've got a pre-launch mm-hmm. page that I can now start directing backer kit launch to and everything else. So, you yeah. know, I, 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 there are things that they can do. Oh, oh, oh. Broken Trident has successfully been funded. Yay! I saw that. Yes. Congrats. Congratulations, <laughs> David. And yeah. thank you guys for showing us that because that looks like it'll do really well in the story. And I would have, I would have missed it. I would have missed it. Awesome. All right, that's awesome. Now go ahead, go ahead, Will. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what I was talking about. Uh, uh, <laughs> with, the yeah, pre-launch page. That, yeah. Yeah. Kickstarter. I really feel like, you know, they are awesome. I wouldn't be publishing mm-hmm. comics without Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, but there are things that they can do that will help us creators streamline the process so that we can what not necessarily waste less time. It's just better use the time that we have uh, mm-hmm. to, you know, to do more projects. I mean, it's, I mean, I, I feel like add-ons were something that they thought that they needed to do, but I mean, Kevin, you and I have you and Danny, you've 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 seen it. You know, look at the report that you get from your add-ons. At the end. It's an Excel CSV spreadsheet. I mean, it's not exactly <laughs> reader-friendly to us, you know, creators. You know, wait, I gotta add what? Uh, what? I don't even just do add-ons in Kickstarter. I just do backer kit because it's. I'm too yeah. afraid of missing it and then having to remail my mistake, mm-hmm. losing my whole profit over the add-on. So yeah. we do a lot of add-ons simply because, and it's worked for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually get excited to do these because we have so many store exclusives um, and stuff like that. So most of our add-ons, other than being able to add the previous volume, which honestly I, I didn't think about it. Well, actually, no, we do have a tier that's just, one and two, it's your catch-up yeah. tier. A catch-up, yeah, great. But uh, but yeah, we have the add-ons because we have so many covers. And um, I can't imagine with you guys, because like, first of all, I'm unorganized at the store. So I only, I only recently finally put all of our exclusive covers into two or three boxes that are side-by-side. <laughs> side. 
mm-hmm. previously they were in opposite you know hemispheres <laughs> of the store and, and in the warehouse so at least i'm there now but like yeah i can only imagine if like like a guy like uh, travis gibb who has so many different books you know you've got broke mm-hmm. down imported bodies and expired and voodoo nations voodoo and nations and you have granite state punk holiday the best thing he's ever done granite state yeah. punk, <laughs> holiday spirits with jerome i can't imagine having to fulfill that because just us doing those covers the fulfillment gets interesting because we do the Mm -hmm. i am the collective ultimate edition which is just you get every cover we've ever published you know Mm -hmm. and that's a really nice tier to a move stock and b get somebody into everything we've done Mm -hmm. but it's like oh my god especially when i was fulfilling for issue one oh i have to go pull a shit show from here and (laughs) over there and it's just like it's a lot man it's it, it really is it makes it more like a storefront we run a Shopify as well, and that's what I experience in Shopify because somebody mm-hmm. will order this and somebody will order that, and I have to run around. Yeah, um, but like we we're lucky that that does really well for us. Actually, it makes it gets the boss off my back a little bit because he's like, "Why do we still got all these exclusive covers?" I said, "They're gonna do really well on the Kickstarter." Yeah, <laughs> uh, and and that's my my catch up tier. I, you know, ever since the second campaign, you could get. Second campaign, you got the trade paperback in issue four. Then all of a sudden, trade paperback issue four and five. I mean, my catch-up tiers now are, I think, $90 for all 14 issues, mm-hmm. um, which is what you would have paid if you did every one plus. You would have paid shipping every time. So actually, you're only paying shipping once in that. You're you're doing better than the people who've been with us the whole time, although they're, there's some things they get. Mm-hmm. But... Um, it's an amazing, like, it gets really philosophical to me that I have all of these books for you to catch up with now to make this book so that the next person can catch up. But it's all because of the people who are with us from the beginning. From the beginning. And it's this weird, like, I get really philosophical about the catch up tier where it's like, it's not Ludo and I that made the catch-up tier possible. It's the backers who backed the first campaign yep. and then the second campaign. And now that you're doing spending $90 when you could get the new book for 10 now I'm, be able, I'm able to print like 20 issues of the new one mm-hmm. for the next group. And it's this just like this virtuous cycle of just good Let feelings me ask- for me. Let me ask mm-hmm. you guys, and especially since you just mentioned your your catch up tier, um, you, you mentioned that you kind of like you know you put that tier, but then you want to have the one more expensive tier just so it doesn't look like it's your most expensive tier, and we've mm-hmm. kind of done that as well. But it, it still blows my mind. You know, we're offering one book on this Kickstarter. You know, you can get it for as cheap as ten. You can go as expensive as twenty five. Mm-hmm. And then it blows my mind when I go and look at a pledge. You know, oh, I got a new pledge, which you're always excited about, and you go down and see what they backed, and then you see like. 160 bucks or 180 bucks and you're like oh my god this person did my top tier plus added some stuff like you're kind of really humbled in a way and like Mm -hmm. i'm not even the creator in a sense but it's like you're willing to spend that much like i was questioning whether it was worth the 10 or or 25 Mm -hmm. and you're now dropping 200 thank you like you know that's Mm -hmm. really cool yeah and that it's it's so important when if you if you're a, a creator watching this late, thank you. Um, it's so important to make sure that you give people many safe harbors for wherever they are. Yeah, 
-hmm. You know, I, I, there are people that are really, really thankful that you have a $2 digital thing because they want to read the book and they want to support it and they can do $2 right now. And that's, that's great. $2 digital, $2 digital is a dollar and 80 cents that I can use to print a book for someone to buy for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten dollars mm-hmm. And you read the book and that's awesome. And then there are people that are ready for the book that'll pay $10 plus the shipping. And then there are people who want the virgin variant on a metal cover that's mm-hmm. $50. And then there's people that want artwork with it. And you know what? Ludo is a trained painter. His <laughs> artwork is not cheap. I have to pay him for his paintings and I have to pay Kickstarter 10% and I have it has to help the campaign if I'm offering it. It can't just be what he charges. Yeah. It'd be $400, $500 for a painting. And yeah, some people are in a place where four or $500 is, it's a good value because it's Ludo artwork, but yeah. it's more than I could spend on original art. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm not them. They're in a different place. And it's just have these islands for people where they are can support you where they want to. And it is humbling, but it's also like, you know, the nature of the beast is we're all coming at this in our own Mm -hmm. circumstances. And I don't want anyone to feel like a $2 digital doesn't the dollar when someone just puts a dollar in there, you know, every, every little bit helps. Yeah. Get or getting uh, each pledge helps because of the analytics. I mean, we have a mm-hmm. schedule that's based on backers. So like you can all back at $1, you can still help us get to that one, that goal. Right. And uh, um, I tell people, cause we, since we run a storefront, we have the people all the time. Hey, can I just get it in store? And my answer naturally is yes. But my follow-up then is because a, we want the analytics. Mm-hmm. My follow-up is, well, if you back it on the Kickstarter, like I can, and heck I have the books in the store. I can literally fulfill in front of you. Like you come back, <laughs> you come back the cover uh, on Kickstarter. I will go grab it for you. Um, yeah. I will hand it to you. I'll put a note in Kickstarter to remind me to not yeah. ship the second one. Right. And what I explained to him, I said, you're still going to get all the digital uh, as soon as we end. I, I'm like, I can't do that right now, but you're going to get all mm-hmm. the digital when it ends. I said, we're off printing stickers and magnets right now. You will get a sticker and magnet. Like you don't get that if you, Buy it in Just store it. a month. Right. That right. is that, is, and typically that's Kickstarter exclusive in every every sense. We might do coasters as well, and all these little swag things. Mm-hmm. And I actually get excited. I get the most excited to do those little swag things because first of all, as a store, I overorder the shit out of them, mm-hmm. and then I can use them on like eBay transactions. Like I can use them. You know, the stickers. I literally right. stop on like my T mailers and stuff yeah. like that. So it looks like a skateboard deck, you know. Nice. It's like like I get excited to do that, and I tell people I'm like, even if you back. You know, at the the five dollar, like ours is five dollars. Let me read it. It's like mm-hmm. you're then going to get all the the digital add-ons that you get to read. So it's like you're getting more than one book, and it's like I, I get excited about that. And the help, it helps. It helps. Mm-hmm. We have a ton yep. of five dollar digital backers right now, and we're still fully funded. You know, it hasn't hurt us, mm-hmm. and those people are going to know about the store and all of these books. Yeah, Shawnee Shawnee wrote that she agrees on the price tiers. As a backer, my budget can really change from time to time. So having a tier that fits what I can afford at that time is amazing. And often that keeps me coming back for more. Yeah, and we appreciate and it. Thanks, Shawnee. One of the most amazing things that I started seeing 
like from people who had backed a couple times is the other thing is we're we have to bring the book out when we're bringing the book out and we could be bringing the book out at the worst time for someone. Yeah. I've had people email me an apology that they can't back because of whatever their, you know, individual circumstance was at that time. And I'm always like, you never have to apologize (laughs) for not backing this time or ever again. If you, if you've supported us in any way, we're still doing this because of your support and the support of you. Like, yes, if you can, if, if, if it's your place and you can back, please back. Mm -hmm. If it's not right now and you can, you have the bandwidth and your emotional state to share, please share. But you know what? If you don't have the bandwidth right now, because stuff is happening, that's more important. You take care of what you got to take care of because Yep. The backers we have right now are helping me print enough. I'm going to have the book ready. Hopefully your circumstance gets better. I'll get it to you then. There's no yeah. Yeah. Kickstarter is fear of missing out, mm-hmm. but also help us make enough so that what besides a little bit of that exclusive swag, you're not going to miss you're, out. You're we'll be here. You know, I find that so funny um, that almost every Kickstarter creator I've ever met is like that. Because uh, the first time I was really turned off by Kickstarter, other than the guy who who was banned from Kickstarter, <laughs> but the first time I was really turned off by Kickstarter was um, uh, Black Mask Publishing has a comic book called, uh, I think it was originally called Black, and then mm-hmm. they had a sequel to it called White. Mm-hmm. And um, the, I didn't know that these books originated on Kickstarter, because again, I'm, I'm new to all that. But uh, the book was highly speculated on at first. So then the sequel comic comes out called White, highly speculated on lots of pre-orders at a diamond previews, you know, which is supposed to be a good thing for a publisher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we found out that they're only printing uh, 1,500 of the comic, even though they're going through diamond, which was really odd. I mean, it meant every comic store only got like uh, two, two, two per store was like the limit, uh, even though we took pre-orders for ages. And then I, I was very unhappy with it. So I mm-hmm. went to the forums that we have and I went to the publishers at Black Mask and I said, what gives, you know, was this, why, why print so little? Did you guys print before FOC? What happened? And their response, and I think it was a little bit, shame on them. They were trying to throw the blame on the creators a little bit, but they were like the contract that we signed with them when we got the deal to print, the, to publish the sequel was that we would only print this many because we convinced them to go away from Kickstarter. So from what I understood, the creators wanted to take that book to Kickstarter and only print 1,500, make it really collectible. Black Mask wanted it to be first to market to them. So I guess they caved to their their request of printing so little. But like, I found it so weird. Yes, their book is now worth 40 or $50 on the secondary market. But only one thousand, like you know, only a limited amount of people have their books. So I find it so weird when I hear every other Kickstarter creator <laughs> say, "I'm printing enough that like I have some for after to add." As like, it blew my mind that somebody. So Will Will has heard me say this. It always comes back to Neil Gaiman with me. That is <laughs> sorry. It's always going to come back to Neil Gaiman with me. And nobody in this world is perfect, uh, but he, he's he said some pretty smart things. <laughs> Yep. Uh, he said he was at a comic shop and 
someone pointed out to all of the vol the trade paperback volumes of Sandman and they went, man, DC really screwed you over. And, you know, you almost like, well, what do you mean? They go, they printed all those trade paperbacks. If they hadn't done that first Sandman would be worth $5,000. And Neil went, how was that good for anyone? Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, he has houses <laughs> bought by the 50, 50th printing of Preludes and Nocturne. Mm -hmm. Why would he want a $5,000 copy of Sandman number one that I would have never read? Mm -hmm. Yep. That most people wouldn't have read. Most people wouldn't have read because I wasn't ready for Sandman when it came out. I was reading comics when Black Canary came out, the first thing he did. And I just, the covers they used for Sandman was wonderful because it told 12 year old me who still wanted superheroes to punch each other in the face and still <laughs> do like it a lot. But also it said, you're not ready for this. You'll come later. But if they had never done that, I'd never get to it. And I just don't like make prestige things that are worth a lot of money. Sure. But, Make it readable. Make it. The thing is, that's what a variant, especially nowadays in the climate of 2020, 2022, that's what a variant covers for. You know, mm -hmm. you want something limited, you do a one in 25, that's super cool. Scout has done it occasionally. Like, mm -hmm. that's doable. Do a secret cover, you know, one per store. There's options. I, I was. I was really taken aback, and especially to hear that it went back. And again, shame on the publisher for trying to throw the creator under the bus. You know, as a manager of a store, it's like you don't do that with your employees. You know, yeah. you take the blame, at least. I made a bad deal. You know, I should have, yeah. you know, but it, it blew my mind that somebody would have thought, oh, we're going to go to Kickstarter, but we're going to limit it. You know, and it do made you me wonder. Do you remember what the cover price was for the two issues that you got? They were three nine uh the three ninety nine cover price books like diamond they didn't change, they didn't change any so so us as a yeah. retailer our two pre orders we we absolutely fulfilled the what we did was we looked at who had the earliest additions to sub and mm. the two earliest got them at cover right. price. So right. we didn't profit off of the book mm -hmm. being $50 on the aftermarket mm -hmm. either, which is like the weirdest part about it. Cause yeah. technically nobody involved with the book, unless those guys are selling their comps or whatever, mm -hmm. nobody involved with the book made any extra profit. It's, it's a hundred percent the aftermarket, which was yeah. really weird to me. Yeah. And with diamond, you want to go as many copies as I if mean, yeah. asking, if you get pre-orders for, 20,000 copies, I mean, you print 20,000 copies. Exactly. It's and that means your price per issue goes way down and your profit per issue goes up. So, so I think, and granted, yeah. that might have been, it was on the heels of like Bad Idea Publishing doing all their, you know, gimmicky things. So that could have been, you know, on the heels of if we get on Key Collector, it's going to be the biggest thing for us. But it's like, as a guy who runs the store, 365 days a year you know that it doesn't yeah. matter what key collector necessarily does it matters the people that want to keep coming back you know right. exactly if, mm -hmm. if, even with the two copies per store i got so yes um for the first bit hey, you sold out i sold out yeah. oh yeah <laughs> but was, uh i had seven unhappy people or whatever right, huh? right. yeah but what was interesting to me was uh and then for issue two i had like five unhappy people you know because they they still had the, they didn't fully understand that it was going to be two per store the whole time <laughs> like, yeah. like for the whole run but oh, uh wow. 
by issue four, I only had like one unhappy person. So it went to show you that like they did it to themselves because like I'd like to think at least these 10 people would have kept with it after that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as a publisher, we occasionally have a little bit of power in the sense Mm -hmm. of our buying power. So like uh, Black Mask gets minimal orders right now, you know, until they prove a little bit, you know, kind of make us happy again. And and there's plenty of amazing publishers to support in the meantime. Mm And that's that's that sucks for like a creator like Ryan K. Lindsay, who's I know has done some black mass stuff. Well, you want to hear what's actually really funny about it all. Um, I was taking that stance just because, you know, I'm a little petty. And again, that sucked. <laughs> and then I met Pat Chand, and I'm like, all right, man, I got to reverse on this at least a little bit because I got to yeah. support Pat because Pat's been awesome. So it's yeah. it does suck because, again, there, there's gr- great creators working here. And and I know Pat isn't telling them to not print as many copies as they can. <laughs> book, so. what, I, I, what, I, what I need you to do, what I need you to do is sell as few of these as possible. <laughs> I want you to pay as much per book as possible to print them. <laughs> And I do want you to keep the price down to <laughs> negligible. I mean, I, this had to have been, this had to have been, you know, like sometimes you have a great idea that doesn't end up great. There had to be a thought process that just they, that, that it was just it was a mistake. Genius. Somebody yeah. thought it was genius and that, mm-hmm. that was, you know, the fault in it all. But like, yeah. It, yeah. it just it goes to show and, and and same thing that lesson can be used on kickstarter or yeah. any any business really you do just like treat your customers well and with respect and i mean yeah. it, it, they're gonna come back and again like if they can't afford it that time they will remember you next time as long as you didn't do them dirty like that yeah. so yeah shani says she imagines the whole thing had pat <laughs> shaking his head in confusion also yeah pat I mean, is a smart cookie he really he, is <laughs> yeah there's there there are there had to be a thought behind this that we are all missing and but i but i do think that in the end it was it was a mistake and i hope they learn from it in their next campaign as they or not campaign but they're the uh, next and time and i'm talking about the creators not necessarily black mask yeah, i really funny. hope black mask doesn't do that again so black mask and prior to that we want we supported black mask pretty well because black mask is one of the few publishers that offer returnability okay. on all of their books, not just issue one, but issue six, seven, like they'll offer returnability, which is rare and awesome when you want to support mm-hmm. that. So it's such a weird alternative because <laughs> when you're offering returnability on all your books, that means you're printing really high. Yeah. So yeah. it's such an odd like switch around, like to be yeah. like, hey, hey, but this one book, and I'm sure they might have offered returnability on those two copies. I don't know. I never got to look. <laughs> But it was such a weird pivot to be like, hey, we, we're order, printing a ton, like order high and then be on this book. Like you can get two. you can get two. <laughs> you know, it, it just seems like uh, putting the cart before the horse for creators to even consider the secondary market or publishers to even consider the secondary market because that's not yeah. their market. Right, you don't make any. I mean, unless yeah. you're gonna overprint or like out of the thousand five hundred, you're keeping five hundred. Like it doesn't yeah. benefit you as the creator for it to be worth a ton on the secondary market. You don't have right. it, right? <laughs> right. Unless it's a phenomenal. The only reason it's really good for it to be worth on the secondary market is because if it's if it's on the secondary, like uh, Jonathan Hedrick's recount number one. Mm-hmm. that became really expensive on the secondary market because the story was phenomenal. Like people mm-hmm. literally picked up that first issue and were eating it up. Mm-hmm. 
that then means that it has a chance to get optioned and made into a movie. Yeah. The book that only a thousand people read has a little less chance to get made. Into <laughs> yeah. Shot your up. Someone got their meds fixed up when they made that decision. <laughs> it was like, it's one of those things. Typically a publisher does something dumb and you talk about it for a day and then you're off the next day, you know, onto yeah. something mm -hmm. different. Yeah. But that one was one that literally had you scratching your head for long enough that I'm still talking about it after this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's the first I've heard of it. I, I, I'm pretty sure I backed the Black campaign on Kickstarter. Um, I, you know, I think I think I have it in there. I don't I don't remember them not delivering. So I think they delivered. <laughs> but they're unfortunately, you know, I do I do back more than I read because I get excited for creators. And, and I, you know, like I, I still have crossover division two sitting on the top of my to read pile. And, and I haven't, I, I, I read it. Well, real, I read PDF. It. He can't ignore the PDF, man. Just I, the PDF. I'm going to, I'm going to spam him with the PDF as, as soon as this is over. So I read the first <laughs> eight pages when, you, when you got them, but, but yeah, I, I, and it's because so like, Will, I love him. He's one of my best friends. And it's like, I'll get there. But uh, there's so know. much to do. I mean, we've, uh, you know, with the day job and then with, you know, project man, it's, it's yeah. so, you know, it would be so amazing to say, you know, look, I've written the script. I've got with the editor. It's done. Yeah. My part, my part is done. And now I can let all these great people go make me look good because they're awesome artists. And, you know, mm -hmm. but no, now I'm like, okay, I've got to check in here. I've got to check in here. Okay. Now I've got to work on this Kickstarter for the next one. Plus I'm promoting the Kickstarter for this one. If we're mostly done, you know, and, and it's, you know, and then and then you're dumb enough to write a crossover with with another independent creator to do yeah. at some point this year. All right, what was the Shawnee said? I got my meds mixed up that day. <laughs> Late this year, Danny, there will be a Tart crossover division crossover. Yep. So uh, yeah. yeah, script yeah. is all written. Script well, is all funny, written. I'll admit, uh, I hadn't read. Gosh, what was the last Tart that came through Scout? Was it demons? Uh, demons and demagogues. Yes. Demons and demagogues. So I didn't get a chance to read that because, Ooh. uh, actually, I, I had I had texted you. Actually, I sold out of that surprisingly quicker awesome. than than I expected, <laughs> especially since I didn't have Kevin set up for a signing. Because you know, when I have a signing, I, I can expect to go through a lot. Right. So I sold out of it so fast I didn't have a copy to read because you know. <laughs> I'm not going to hold anything back for day Wednesday. And it's like, if I right. didn't read it Tuesday night, like I got, you know, I'm not going to keep a copy back. Like our, right. my boss does a really better job of reading Tuesday night. I'm more of a, mm -hmm. I'm off Thursday or I get off Thursday night and I'm off mm -hmm. Friday, Saturday. So I'll bring some books home. But right. if they sell out before that, I can't read it. Danny, I hope you never read another book of mine for the rest of my life. Or yours. Right? If that's the circumstance. Yeah. No, but you know, I'll order enough tart volume two that i'll get a chance to you know get caught up on everything that, like, you know and and we you know charlie and i tried to figure out the best way to this 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 is now we're inside baseball people so yeah. if you've been with us this long i really appreciate try. it so tart season one came out and the non-stop from scout mm -hmm. it was going to be issue one and then the trade paperback with seven issues and issue one came out in february the world Stop. ended in march <laughs> and i believe it was uh either march or april people were supposed to order the trade paperback for season one um it, we did as well as anyone could ask to in in uh pre-orders for a trade paperback 
in the middle of the world ending. Um, I don't begrudge a single store that said I can't, you know, purchase this now, but we did. Okay. We did, we did, we did. Okay. I, we didn't turn the world on fire, but we, we, you know, held our own, um, which now that trade paperback is sold out, which I'm, I'm like, Oh man, I wanted it. So that now somebody sees volume two and gets excited because they didn't get it. But you know, like, I can't fault scout that either because you can only print so many on the pre-orders. You can't, mm -hmm. they can't go bankrupt. Scout can't go bankrupt for TARP. So yeah. it's so <laughs> funny that you say that because now it, my, my wheels are turning because first of all, same things happened with uh, Trey Walker's last stop. Mm -hmm. um, they were a nonstop. I actually want to say they, their issue came out in December and their trade paperback was supposed to come out uh, April and of March. Mm -hmm. And obviously that did not happen. Yeah. Um, but again, their book got option. There was a lot of things, but they only printed so many. And here we are two years later, they're out of the trade paperback with mm -hmm. no immediate plans. When I say immediate, I mean like in the next three months, whatever, right. no immediate plans to reprint. Mm -hmm. And it, that stinks because he's a local creator and I love to have his stuff on the wall uh, on there. And if he, if there's free comic book day, I love to invite Trey mm -hmm. and have him sign. And I literally said like, damn it, what's it going to cost me to do a story? And, and it's tougher with trades a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, damn it, what's it going to cost me to do a store exclusive just to get this thing back in print? Because Scout <laughs> typically is really awesome about like, you can go back and reprint whatever. I could go mm -hmm. print Tart number one as a store exclusive. They would 100% let me do it. Right, right. Now I need to find out what the logistics are of that with trades because of now course. finding out tart volume one is out of print yeah. finding out lost stop volume one is out of print i'm like i need to single-handedly get these volume ones back in print because because sure. Kevin, i mean the fact that he brings it up as he has a volume two coming up i'm not gonna say it's a problem but it's like it's not ideal to it's not, not ideal it's not yeah. ideal and uh you know hopefully this won't happen again but i can tell you long term the tart trade paperback has a, a a target motif, a bullseye behind mm -hmm. Tart, and one every trade paperback from Scout until we end the series will have a bullseye of a different color with a different character. So by the time we end, it'll be five, six, seven volumes, depending on how how long we go. You'll be able to have them up next to each other in a way that will draw eyes. I friggin' promise. <laughs> I'm so excited for the motif to be filled in, uh, but. We can't do it just yet. <laughs> so if they were if they were going to add, uh, if they were going to reprint volume one in what they would call the second edition, because mm -hmm. you know, I guess that's what we do in comics. So. Would you would you change the color of the target? Would you change the color of her hat? Well, how would you do it if you had the choice? Um, I would probably just change the trade dressing um, so that the names were in a slightly different place, and just have second printing inside. Um, because we've decided to make volume two a different color bullseye, I'd like to keep red for one, blue, okay. the yellow is going to be two. And then Ludo, Ludo chooses a color based on his own, you know, I don't, I don't get in Ludo's way with how he designs that because he's so smart about color anyway. But I think I, at one point I thought maybe playing with colors, but since we're going that way, I think. We'd stay red. I can say that through colossal mismanagement of Kevin Joseph, <laughs> I can only take credit for me. Um, 
issue six of TARP was illustrated by Carl Moline. He guest drew yeah. issue local. six. Local to us. Local and unbelievable. We we're so lucky that when Ludo couldn't draw, we got somebody of his talent, personality, passion. Like, I can't say enough good things about Carl. I did try to make sure that his name was on the front of the book, but I did miss that his name is not on the cover. I also missed that his name isn't on the credit page. So I'm nobody. Ludo is an amazingly talented person without a name. I'm not going to say he's nobody, but I'm going to say he's an amazingly talented person who's done tart. I'm nobody. Carl Moline co-created Frey with Joss Whedon. Mm -hmm. And I forgot to get his name on the book. And he's working with Andy Serkis right now, or was working with Andy Serkis. <laughs> so I will certainly on the next edition, make sure that Carl Moline's name is on the cover. You don't want to do the, the Carl Moline exclusive variant? The just all of the cover is Carl Moline. <laughs> just it's just his name autographed a yeah. hundred times. I'd do it. I'd do it if he'd do it. <laughs> Come on, man, that would sell like hotcakes. Only print one hundred or one thousand five hundred. Though that's right. right. <laughs> that's all. No matter what, no matter how many printers we got, we're gonna keep that print run low and expensive. Yeah, uh, we got to keep our profit margins as tight as Whoa, we can. <laughs> that's right. Oh man, that is secretly hold on to fifty for the aftermarket. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that is that is not uh, that's. I don't think that's how you do it, but that's how they did it. And you know what? <laughs> yeah, Ignacio, oh, I'm glad you're here for the inside baseball we stuff. I appreciate it. Uh, it was so. Thankfully, when we did Tales from the Collective Volume One, we did a launch day version, like because we did the same thing where we had an event in the middle mm -hmm. of our for of our campaign. So Travis went ahead and got a hundred copies printed that said launch day with no price on them. And they were okay. only hundred of those that were going to be printed. And we realized when we're at the signing that David Galliano's story did not credit his artist oh, um, or, oh, <laughs> or his yeah. editor was Chuck Pinnell. So uh, <laughs> we obviously had time to correct that before we went to print with the major portion of our run. But that was a big, you know, it's like, those are important people to that story. And you didn't credit. <laughs> yeah, the artist and the editor. It, the two of those pretty, pretty like important. The writer, you know, well, good job. <laughs> the rest of it, all that guy would have had is a script. Well, you Johnny, know, not, not to point fingers, but shouldn't the editor have caught that? I'm just saying. <laughs> the editor should have known that he wasn't I mean, credited. I'm going to, yes. I'm going to guess we maybe didn't send it to the, we didn't send it to the editor. <laughs> Shani said she forgot that Carl's name got left off. That's funny now. Probably not so much at the time. <laughs> I sent him an email so apologetic when I realized. And he was just like, well, I really appreciate that you told me. I probably wouldn't have noticed. But <laughs> it was nice of you. It was nice of you to tell me. I probably wouldn't have noticed. I nice mean, Carl's just a sweetheart. Him, right? Yeah. Carl well, you still feel nice bad. You guy. still feel bad about it because it was. Yeah, I get it. I man. feel bad about it um, yeah. on a personal level because he's a nice person, but I feel terrible about it on a marketing level because Carl Moline is a superstar artist that Kevin Joseph should not be working with. <laughs>
I want his name on the book that he drew. <laughs> I want his name on books he didn't draw. Yeah. <laughs> put his name on all the books. That's where we, you know what? To make up for it, maybe I should put it on the second season where he didn't write. <laughs> <laughs> do it. Do it. Maybe we could have him do the, the, the cover for the collective exclusive just to get it back in print, you know? There you go. <laughs> all right so we're about to end this broadcast and <laughs> it's pretty late so i won't be able to stay too long and talk but um i would love to see carl draw me some more lemon lamori because boy he draws her so gorgeous the, the more you talk about all these people it's like we got to do a day where we just bring scout hq to orlando and just like try to bring as many scout creators as we can get because i mean there's you there's Kevin, there's Jonathan Hedrick, there's David, David Byrne. I mean, yeah. we have so many. Richard Rivera. Yeah. I mean, there's Super so nice many people here. I I would be ecstatic to share a room with all those uh, people. <laughs> so it's it's awesome. Well, you Danny, know. thank you for for hanging with us. Uh, it's one thirty two, and I'm 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 fading. I want to get out of here before I fade completely. <laughs> but. Uh, Ignacio, Shawnee, uh, Gerald, Gerald, everybody who was here commented, thank you. You guys really honestly always make it the best. Jolly Piruvate. Uh, <laughs> I hope Ed, it was an awesome night with awesome comments. And uh, Dora and Ashley were awesome too. So, oh, if, Blake, Blake. Oh, hey, Blake. Yeah. Oh, he came in. Oh, Blake yeah. was here at the begin very beginning. Okay. All right. And one new, yeah. Ignacio, thank you. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Good night, y'all. Night. Thanks, everyone.